from Louisville, Kentucky, Los Angeles, California, Desert Palm, California, and Chicago, Illinois, this is the Negative Positives Podcast. Negative Positives Podcast, episode 324. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. Possibly stormy Louisville, Kentucky. So we've got some lightning going on. I might hear some thunder going on, but we have a very thunderous program anyway, whether there's a storm here or not. Uh, and uh, let's go ahead and get to our co-captains first, because this is a Monday night episode and we have a special guest. So let's get to the co-captains. Uh, first up, Mr. Andre Dominguez, all the way from Los Angeles, California, La La Land, the City of Angels. How are you doing tonight, Andre? I'm doing great, Mike. Really uh, looking forward to having our guest back on the show tonight. Awesome, yeah. And uh, our other co-captain, none, none, all the way out in Buffalo, California, that is Miss, Mrs. Roxana Angles. How are you doing tonight, Roxana? I'm doing great in Palm Desert, California. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to our, to our guest, uh, he's been on before. You know him. You love him. He's infamous. Uh, the last time we had him on, we had to split it up into two episodes because we talked for so long, and uh, I think we got further and further inebriated uh, throughout those uh, those those episodes. Uh, but that is none other than Mr. Johnny Sisson from the Classic uh, Lenses Podcast, and also an uh, employee from uh, Central Camera in Chicago. Always good to have Johnny on. How you doing tonight, Johnny? I'm all right. How are you guys doing? Oh man, that's a, it's a, we, uh, we've, uh, we've, uh, we've had uh, some conversations in the last week. Uh, I, I was uh, out on the balcony one night, uh, uh, overlooking the ocean from a vacation last week. And, uh, uh, I just, uh, I was, I don't, know, we got into conversation about something and then it went on going and talking about uh Chicago music scene and, yeah. and everything. So no, it went, 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 went pretty long. So, uh, I got, at one point I just had to tell Johnny, I was like, you know what? I think I've rambled long enough. I've had enough bourbon and I think I should just go to bed. So, uh, <laughs> But it was it was good. It was a good little chat. Uh, yeah. Yes, it so. was. Yes, it was. <laughs> but it's good to have you back on the show, Johnny. So uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. No. No. It's our pleasure, man. Like. Uh, uh, so, I guess that the thing we need to start off on is uh, kind of we were going to have you on, uh, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, but you know, you were you were having some health issues. And, and yeah. by the way, I guess we should get that out of the way first. Like, how, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay now? You I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> so, I'm I'm um. Uh, I actually had a chat about this today with a medical professional. Um, and I, yeah, I'm doing a lot better. I mean, I, I still don't feel quite whatever normal is for me, uh, but it better than I, better than I did. And it went on for, uh, so long that I was starting to doubt I was ever going to feel normal again, even close to normal. So I, in, in putting it all in perspective, I'm doing pretty, pretty well. So, so during during any of this illness or health problems, did you ever think maybe you had COVID or or was it? Uh, funny you should say that because I had a, this conversation today with this doctor and she said, "Did you have COVID?" And I'm like, "Dude, I had four tests. I had four <laughs> freaking COVID tests and they were all negative." Mm. And because I was like, "This is like the second doctor that said." did you have COVID? And I'm like, I don't know. You're the doctor. I did four <laughs> tests and they were all negative. I don't know what to tell you, you know? So, I mean, but I don't know. It makes me, it makes me wonder if I need to get like one of those, uh, serology tests or something to see if I have anti antibodies or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. cause yeah, I don't know, man. I was, I was a mess for 
a, a solid three months. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, was not was not fun, and I'm still really not a hundred percent, but I'm just I'm a lot better than I was. So I don't know, man. It's I'm still trying to still trying to get a handle on what what the heck's going on. Yeah, so, I hear you. Well, it's good. Yeah. It's good to hear you're you're doing well and and uh, are better and especially yeah. better enough to be back on the show. So that's, a, that's yeah. I, I felt really bad. <laughs> I had to bail on you last time. Oh no, just, that's all right. Just having a, I was having a rough week. So yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Well, and the, the reason we were going to have you on last, uh, uh, I guess it was a month or two ago. I'm not remember how long ago it was, but uh, it was kind of it was right after. Um, you know, Central Camera in Chicago, uh, yeah. your place of employment, uh, kind of, you know, it burnt down. And uh, so I kind of wanted to get, like, uh, your take on that. Uh, I'm sure everybody that listens to the show is aware of it because we, uh, you know, there's a lot on the Facebook group about it and stuff like that. But uh, just kind of uh, for people that maybe haven't followed it that closely, just kind of your perspective and, and where it's at and the rebuilding and just just kind of a little background on, on, on that situation. Yeah, sure. And, I, and I'm, you know, and I'm speaking, um, I'm what I can say is based on, conversations i've had with um the owner which i have on a you know a fairly regular basis and mm-hmm. with a couple of my fellow employees there but i i have not because my health has been not great i have not kind of gone back there since mm. basically it was closed at the start of uh the covid shutdown which basically in illinois um we they shut down non-essential everything as of about the 15th of march yeah Mm -hmm. so i i was already out um from central starting about march 15 and then you know the george floyd stuff happened in chicago and then that night central was looted and it burned and um so that kind of you know it's like well i'm really unemployed now i guess uh wow yeah so it's so basically i mean i've you know i've been chatting with the owner on and off and uh they're at a point now where they they had they had a folding table out in front of uh the shop and they were selling some film and chemistry and taking Mm. processing in and that sort of thing they were doing that for um a few weeks and then i think they're now inside the space next door to central which had been vacant for you know, it had been vacant for like two, two and a half, three years. Wow. Um, so the landlord basically, they, they came to a an agreement with the landlord to move in there temporarily while they're rehabbing the space, you know, the 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 actual central camera space next door. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is which is kind of funny because when Central opened in that space in 1929, right before the stock market crash, mm. they originally had the side of the store, the place they're in now, it was all originally like one store, okay. but they, 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 they didn't need all the space. So they kind of walled, they, I don't know if they put a wall up or whatever, or closed something off or whatever, but so they're kind of back in what was originally part of the original central camera space, like way back in 29. All right. Um, so there's a little, little, little roots there. So yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. kind of interesting. And I mean, it's, you know, the sign is still, this, I was going to ask about the sign. Yeah, <laughs> the neon sign is intact and running, so they're literally oh, nice. they're right next door to that space. Um, so that the the last thing I, I I heard from the owner when I talked to him, um, I don't know, a week or so ago, he said that they're planning on reopening in the rehabbed original space, uh, probably like February um, of twenty one. So they're, you know, they're working on it now. It's just a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big job. I mean, 
there was a kind of a lofted second floor in that space, which anybody who's ever been in there, you know, would probably know what I'm talking about. But the the, the ceilings in 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 central camera are like legit like 30 feet high it's a mm. very old school space like the um the uh, chicago architecture society sometimes brings uh tour groups through not to see necessarily that it's a camera shop but as an example of a certain style of architecture in chicago uh that existed kind of pre-1900 which is the date of the building so it's it's sort of an architecturally interesting space um and anyway there, there's a second floor within uh, central camera and and that uh, was structurally unsound after the fire because all the you know the support stuff was all burned and mm. so they they were worried about that stuff collapsing so they they basically have to gut the you know the the original space um and kind of redo everything um mm. it's kind of like if they if you're if somebody was gutting your favorite dive bar uh, uh, which is yeah. pretty much what central camera is like on the inside <laughs> right um, right <laughs> So so yeah, they they just have a lot of work to do to just to number one clear everything out because I mean the, the fire went for like four or five hours. I mean it was you know uh, it was a significant significant blaze, mm-hmm. um, and then just you know structurally fix everything and whatever else they whatever else they do. Well, I know there was uh, some uh, some funding. I guess was it was it a, a GoFundMe it thing in, or something? There was indeed. Uh, yeah. Very uh, very generously so. Uh, matter of fact, let me check. I just want to see what that um, the rebuild central camera thing they got. Yeah, they're at two hundred and almost sixteen thousand dollars. Wow, that's incredible! In, in donations from people like literally all over the world, um, sending in donations to help rebuild the site you know rebuild the shop so they can reopen so Mm. yeah pretty pretty incredible um outpouring of support from the community which is you know really really cool to see sure Um, plus you guys sewed uh t-shirts i know i i I bought a camera t-shirt and that that helps apparently too so yeah uh, i got mine on right now yeah, buy a buy a central camera T-shirt and uh, help them out because those T-shirts are, are pretty damn cool anyway. So yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> sold like I, we sold like five or six hundred T-shirts. Wow, it was unbelievable. I mean, I just I, I'm still kind of just awestruck at the kind of outpouring of you know support and goodwill from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I personally I thank you. I'm not the owner, but I personally thank you because it's you know, it's where I work. Sure. And, so uh, I I, yeah. I know the owner is very very thankful and supportive i mean people you know it's funny there were, there were some moments where people were like oh man they're gonna get insurance money what the fuck you know it's right. like dude you have no idea what you're talking about okay it was a number one it happened during an insurrection mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a question of whether there's there is any insurance money sure um, yeah and number two is he's gonna fight with the freaking building owner for three years probably over what who pays for what because we had a flood in the basement two years ago and he's still fighting with the building owner about who's going to pay for what. And it's like, you know, it's pennies on the dollar. Right, right. You know, it's, it's used equipment. It's not like we had, you know, 80 Canon 80Ds and 5Ds <laughs> and Nikons and shit in there. It, it's used stuff. So you get, you know, you, even if you make an inventory, you're getting, you're getting pennies on the dollar of what this stuff is worth. So it's not like he's got some gigantic insurance payment coming out sure. of this thing. Yeah. Um, and if he does get that, it's going to be long after 
its usefulness to in terms of reopening, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so so that, that, that kind of yeah. brings me to my next question: Is like, how how do you how do you replenish uh, oh. a, a vintage camera store with vintage gear uh, <laughs> in, in, in any sort of quick? quick yeah. way right now like i i, I mean it's it's it, i don't i don't even know what the answer is to that because mm-hmm. you know we used to it's funny we as employees used to complain about this a lot like there were things that were at the store that he the owner flat out didn't want to sell i mean he mm. just didn't want to sell like right. first of all like those aps cameras that you yeah how just just let's think about the pathology of a man who doesn't want to let go of aps cameras okay <laughs> Um, but yeah, we had a, we had a, like a literally a sealed factory box of Minolta APS cameras, like all, I got, I got got three of them from you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I mean, it's, you know, it's stuff like that. Cause he figures, well, it's not like they're ever going to make it again. (laughs) So, so he, he would, he would sort of the, the, the cream and the crop stuff he would sort of hoard upstairs in the, this loft area that sadly burned. Like he had this tower of this massive pile. I, I have a photo I can find of it for you. But he had this massive like sculpture of of just film, like like expired film going back to the twenties. Oh wow! Just just like this pyramid, this ziggurat of film, right? <laughs> um, and and so it was like you know stuff like that and then cameras would come in that he hadn't seen in a long time and we'd be like oh man this is great we'll be able to sell this thing it's like no we'll never see it again it went up to the don museum uh <laughs> so 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 and then and then we i mean we would get stuff that had um the name albert specialty on it because it's central camera in the 30s 20s and 30s they actually manufactured some of their own products so every once in a while we'd get something that would come in that would be, you know, manuf- had been manufactured by Central Camera, and it had his wow. grandfather's name on it. And he, I mean, he I wouldn't. Gonna, set, so, so yeah. he has a family. He has a family connection to this place. Oh yeah, it, it's yeah. been in the family since 1899. So wow. it's you know, so there there was a lot of stuff inventory wise that first of all was never going to see the sales floor. Second of all, the stuff that was on the sales floor that he was in no hurry to get rid of. <laughs> um, so it was, pr- and it was priced accordingly. <laughs> right. right. Uh, and, and then, but then there was other stuff that, you know, w- w- was obviously for sale and moved, but there was an awful lot of, Im- I mean, Mike, we had flash bulbs. We had, we had 20 linear feet of just flash bulbs, like ancient <laughs> freaking flash bulbs for a- any, like any size you can imagine. And there were like 50 different, you know, bulb sizes back in right, the day. Right, right. Oh, yeah. So so it's like stuff like that. It's like that. It's just, it's never going to exist again. And even if we didn't sell it, it was like we had it for that one time, once a year when somebody came in and wanted it, you know? Right, right. So, right. so well, I, I mean, that, that's going to be hard to replace that kind of inventory, you know? I, like, yeah. Yeah. You just, but you maybe, really, maybe, maybe some of it you don't want to replace, I guess. But yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There's partially <laughs> that, too. I mean, a lot, a lot of it was just like backdrop, like a movie set. Like it was, you know. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, there was a lot of stuff in there that was just nice to have because if anybody needed it, you had it. But it, it, I don't. It's never going to be that way again. So that people, to, to, I guess, to sort of answer your question, people have been offering like, "Hey, man, I've got you know, I've got this. You can have it. I'm glad to give it." So I mean, honestly, they're starting to take in, you know, some stuff via donation that people just are like, you know, what I don't really need to bother with selling that for fifty dollars. I'll just give it to you guys. Oh wow. Um, 
Yeah, which again is really, really generous, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of it's going to happen that way. I mean, the other thing is that there's, uh, it's you know, it's Chicago. It's a metro area of almost 10 million people or whatever, and you've got, um, it, it's the only camera store around. So if people want to sell something, and they yeah. don't want to do it online because not everybody does it that way, and they just want to sell it, they bring in it. So he has name recognition of people who want to sell equipment and so we we took a lot of stuff in that way so i that i'm sure will continue because people still know central camera so things will come in and you know we'll resell them you know yeah uh, yeah. I, yeah i remember when <laughs> when you uh i think it was one of the first times we actually communicated uh and uh, you'd hit me up uh you're like uh mike uh we have all this aps gear here and you're the only person <laughs> i know that would take it and uh <laughs> It's so like you told me all this stuff is like a huge list and uh, yeah. I was, was going to get all this stuff for like, I don't know, I think it was like a hundred bucks or something like that. And right. uh, it ended up getting pared down to about half that, which still was a great, great value because your own, the owner still didn't want to let quite all of it go just for that random. Well, I mean, I guess he probably knows the APS is the hottest trend in film photography. It's well, well, like a storm. So he probably needed to have something in there. Well, so he didn't want to give it all to me. I get it. You know, but <laughs> I see the, the great thing is I can tell these stories because he, he barely like, can run a computer so he'll never do any of this stuff um right. and and i mean it i mean it with respect and love anyway but we, he was actually on vacation at the point at which we started talking about that like okay. we would call it doncation because he would go on vacation for like like you know three or four months he would be sort of around but he wouldn't be working at the shop right and, and so all hell would start to break loose. We would start repricing things. We would be like, you know, we can sell that. We can do this. So we were just, you know, we're finding stuff to kind of to, to move. And so, I, you know, the APS stuff was there. I'm like, wait a minute. I know somebody who might want this stuff. So, so I hit you up and I'm like, dude, I got all this APS stuff. So, of course, he comes back from Don Cation right as this is happening. And he sees what we're doing. And he's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, well, I'm more than happy to get all of that stuff to you forever. You know, I still have a huge, a huge uh, uh, Ziploc bag full of APS film that you found. You oh, found that you nice. sent this one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was just going around, Mike. I was going around the shop, like when that box we were, we were going to send that box to. You, I was just going around the shop looking for APS film and all the nooks and crannies to just throw in the box. I'm like, get this stuff out of here. Get it to Gutterman. It'll go to good use. <laughs> Well, it's good to know that he's got his finger on the pulse of the hottest trend in film photography. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, um, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't last, you know, <laughs> fifty plus years in that business, Mike, without <laughs> knowing what the hottest trends in photography are. <laughs> uh, nice. All right, Roxana, Andre, you got anything uh, about Central Camera you want to you want to talk? I've kind of hogged the spotlight here, but go ahead if y'all got anything. I'm just listening intently on everything. <laughs> I almost forgot I was part of the podcast. I'm like, oh. <laughs> that tends to happen. I, I tend to not give you guys enough time to talk. I, I, I tend to talk too much. But <laughs> Andre, you got anything? Is Andre still with us? Is he awake? <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. I'm still upset he didn't fall asleep on the podcast I was on with you guys. <laughs> it was like right around that time though. Well, I, n- I noticed he's muted and I'm yeah. worried that he I'm worried that he fell asleep on mute. Uh, right. So. Oh no. Because <laughs> then there'll be no way to wake him up. You have to like call him on his <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Andre Dominguez, are you are you on the podcast tonight? 
this is well, not a good not a good sign. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say for Andre's sake then that this is where I met Andre in in person. That I I had never I mean I did not even know who an Andre Dominguez was, and I met him in in person at the shop. So nice, you know. Yeah, oh, so wow. we got this good. We got this good, like, you know, way back connection through Central Camera. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't know. I didn't think I. I guess I remember him talking. about I don't remember him coming to Central Camera, but uh, yeah, huh. he he came he came through and and I chatted with him and he he got a camera and it was it was really cool. It was great. Yeah, yeah wow. it was great. he's uh you know he's uh he's he's much taller in real life than you expected, right? <laughs> yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I could almost <laughs> see him over the counter. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I honestly think Andre is, is asleep. Uh, was, like, literally, he's still on mute. Andre, like, tell him about the time you came to Central Camera and I gave you a box to stand on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's asleep. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, well, um, I would normally at this point go to our weeks and what we've been up to, uh, but we start with Andre. So, uh, uh, how about. We'll, we'll, <laughs> for a spin here uh okay uh we'll start with you roxanne what have you been up to and while you're doing that i'm going to call andre and see what <laughs> that sounds like a good plan let's, oh let's my chat roxanne, what you've been up to like, thank you <laughs> thank you johnny uh you know <laughs> i have actually you uh -oh. know it, i and I think that over this um last couple of weeks i it has been such an awesome mail week like I have gotten such amazing things in the mail oh. and um, like I was part of a beers and camera Phoenix print exchange. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> there we are. Let's get Andre on. <laughs> All right. This is what we call a, what was this? This is a suspense building, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is not a good sign, by the way. Please leave your message. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Andre, where are you? <laughs> All right, Roxana, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay. Are we ready? Okay, Without Andre. Ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it feels so weird. I feel out of order and out of place. I know. This it, podcast, uh, it, it never fails to just uh, be a train wreck. Every, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> okay, it was accidentally on mute. So now it should be working. It is working, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, going back to... Uh, <laughs> Andre, do you have any questions about it? Okay. <laughs> you know, Andre, there's accidentally on mute, and then there's like accidentally on mute. <laughs> did, did you go? Did you go take a poop? Is that <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's get back to Central Camera, Andre. Do you have any comments on that, or how about your your visit to Central Camera? Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking back the the other day. <laughs> Cause I actually had a, a little bit of a, of a miscommunication with Bellamy, who was, uh, you know, I, I sent him the the 3F that Johnny sold me um, with with that time that I went and visited Central Camera, and I I'd let Bellamy know, like, hey, you know, hold off on on uh, selling it. I think I might be wanting to to buy it back, and then 
you know, I, I don't know if Bellamy forgot. He, he was recently in a, in a little bit of an accident. Uh, uh-huh. He was like, you know, on his bike and he got hit by a car. Um, <laughs> I, I get a, an email a few weeks later being like, hey, I managed to to sell the camera. Like, you know, here's the money. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> I was I was wanting to to shoot the camera again, uh, you know, as, as a little tribute to the the time that I visited Central Camera and and met Johnny in person for the first time. But, you know, it's off to to grace somebody else with hopefully some good images. And I've got got plenty of memories. And hopefully the next time that I'm in Chicago, I can go and perhaps uh, get roped into buying another camera. <laughs> by Johnny. So, you know, it's all good. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, so where's we at? <laughs> Roxana, your week. Yeah, that's what I think is where we were. Okay. So, <laughs> like I was saying, um, I had actually a really good mail week. It, two weeks. It was like two weeks of like rad stuff in the mail. Awesome. Like, yeah. Like I was part of a film print exchange with um, Beers and Camera Phoenix. And I got paired with Pamela Eaton Ford in Seattle. And she sent me this really rad like print in Seattle of like the wire. It was all matted. It was rad. Um, and then uh, I also got a gorgeous print from Gary Clennon. Um, he's at Calgary Street. Um, and it uh-huh. was just, it was one of my favorite photos of on his thing. So it was a really huge surprise. It was just so like vibrant and I'm hanging it in my dark room. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and then I know I'm like, this is just so much of the week. And then also, I don't know if you guys also joined in on, um, you know, we had Pete on and, yeah. uh, and he's, um, on his film and letter pen pal exchange. Yeah. He sent me a print as well. Yeah. 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 And it, it came on that like tight, like letter. And, and I found out it wasn't actually tight, but it looked really right. tight. It was, it was a, it was a digital filter uh, of yeah. typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I thought it was tight. So I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I wish I had a typewriter, but yeah, I found out it wasn't really, but it really fooled me. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete sent me a really awesome photo of a vintage sign. He'd already sent me a fire escape sign, so uh, he sent me a vintage sign photo. And so now I have two two photos from him of of of, of the things I like to take too. So so yeah, the big huge thanks to Pete Donovan. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, very cool. Very Andre, did you get did you get one? I did. Yeah, I, I actually didn't know that it wasn't uh, actually typewritten either. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I respond to, to to Pete when I send something back to him, I will actually be using my typewriter. Oh. <laughs> That's really right, cool. Kind of one upping. I, I see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I need to. I I don't have a typewriter to use. I wish I did, but it's really cool. I was just thinking of doing something handwritten because you know that's all I got. <laughs> there you go. Can't take so, it more than that. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I'll just do it an old-fashioned letter. <laughs> nice. And then, last but not least, I um, I got Michael Molden. He sent me. He's at Lumix lab like l-u-m-i-x-l-a-b he sent me my favorite camera um the canon ae1 and it's rad because one of mine like a while back ago totally broke and i always had one with black and white and one with color 
Mm. So, that was, somebody, somebody sent you a camera? Yeah. Reap the benefits of podcast stardom. I, I, yeah, I, good I, on you, Roxy. I know. It's, I, I mean, it, I'm, I was blown away because this thing, I've been shooting on it all week and I'm like, I'm in love with it. It's, it's quickly moved to my favorite, favorite camera. So nice. thank you so much, Michael, for that. That's just awesome. You know, and um, and then in the mail yesterday, not from a listener, but I got my first print of the book I'm writing. So okay. I'm oh. doing the I have I have some edits to do still on it, but I got the the print back. And so far, I have just like three or four things to change, but it's looking really good. So oh, I'm excited. Yeah. How, how, how long how long have you worked on this book, Roxana? I started it in February over okay. long president's weekend. So mm -hmm. it's been since then, lots of editing, lots of research. And the data is actually before then because I really used um, a lot of my group data work. And so the idea is from longer, but mm -hmm. I started actually, you know, pen to paper writing it in February. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. That's got to be exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to. I can't wait to uh, get one of those. Uh, one of those press copies. You know, so you are. <laughs> you will. As soon as I fix all the different changes, I'm thinking mid September because Sweet. by the time shipping and everything else, I'm thinking it should be done to to sell and to you know. Of course, I'm not going to charge you guys i'm sending you guys a free copy <laughs> oh, I, I, wish, I wish you'd look i wish you'd look at this uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you have to read my book <laughs> I, will, I will i haven't read a book in a while so i, I, I I'm, I'm overdue so uh yeah, well it's an easy read it's not it's not super it's more of like you know like honestly you can read it in like an hour like less than an hour it's super more just helpful and fun awesome so, yeah it'll be fun i can't wait very cool. Wow. That, that's a lot, Roxana. That's a, you're always hard. You're a tough act to follow. Uh, <laughs> it's been two weeks. So <laughs> no, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, Andre, what have you been up to brother? Uh, so I actually, you know, have a, a, a bit of things that came in as well in the mail. A few uh, days ago, I received my Bush Pressman model D four by five press camera from oh, okay. uh, none other than Mr. Brian Caparicci. So that was a really exciting thing to arrive, especially since I've been tracking it uh, seemingly unsuccessfully for, for about two weeks now. I was very scared that it had gotten lost in the in the in the post. But that finally arrived and I, I just put through my first four sheets in it, uh, developed them with the new to me. Stearman Press SP445 developing tank, oh. and uh, just today actually received my my Pixelator uh, from Hamish Gill in from the the mail. My Kickstarter reward for that project. So probably you know later tonight if I'm if I'm still sober enough to be able to set the camera up, I should be scanning in those first four frames. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't I haven't got my pixelator yet, Hamish. What do you what's going on here? I don't understand. <laughs> no, I'm, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I'll be doing uh, I'll be doing somewhat of a, a small review in a um, what's it called in a in a solo show. I'm actually going to be having Brian Caparicci on uh, to and as well him and Chris Visser on as we're all three of us kind of starting to get into shooting four by five more. Uh, 
to to see a little bit about uh, you know three different versions of the beginning of a four by five journey to talk about the the different cameras that we ended up choosing and uh, you know I'll be including a small uh, review of the Pixelator in there since I'll probably be using it to scan mainly my my four by five and to use it as a little um, picture frame on my desk at work since it's got the little legs that allowed to kind of stand up on a on a surface i already you know am, am thinking about what am i going to shoot uh with some some ectochrome uh 4x5 e100 to put in that constantly rotating uh desktop <laughs> slide film uh picture frame using the pixelator when i'm not actually using it to, to scan nice nice <clears throat> yeah it's uh so man you got some uh, solo show content coming uh, i think roxana you have a you got an interview coming up as well. You got planned, right? Absolutely. I have planned. I am going to have um, Ken Bertram. He's done so much for my program. I'm going to mm. go ahead and interview him next week. So awesome. I'm super excited about that. too. So much going on. We can't you know wait two weeks. I'm super, exci- <laughs> I'm super excited that you guys are going to give me content for my solo shows uh, and make my job a little easier. So there you go. <laughs> so Perfect. All right, Andre, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's about it for now. Uh, just you know, trying to to learn this camera and then uh, get some more practice in with digital camera scanning. But other than that, uh, you know, just keep just keeping on, keeping on. I hear you. I hear you know that Pressman was made in Chicago, Andre. It that's is. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got actually a lot of really cool branding on it, both on the top mounted uh, rangefinder as well as the little badge on the on the on the bed. It, it makes me really happy to have a, a made-in-USA press camera that I'm going to be shooting, you know, street portraits and, and some street photography with um, that is not your typical crown graphic. It was kind of the competition to the, to the uh, speed graphic and crown graphic, right? Uh, apparently, from some of the research that I've been doing, I personally love the fact that it's got the rotating back, the sports oh, okay. finder, and the and the you know combined rangefinder viewfinder and, and so one more versatile, more versatile than a speed graphic or crown graphic. Uh, I mean, it it depends on how you're defining versatile. Yeah. Like it doesn't have a graph lock back, so it can't use all the the you know fancy accessory backs that some of the other cameras with graph lock backs can, but. For for my purposes, like I know that it's not going to be the the only four by five camera that I own down the line. But for this purpose of being able to just kind of, you know, have one lens on it, uh, a, a normal lens on it, just kind of stowed away in my bag while I'm walking around with my M2. And if I, you know, come across somebody interesting and I want to take a, a, a portrait of them, that it's going to look better than my my slow uh, Sumeron will in 35 millimeter to be able to to whip it out with a, a graphmatic <laughs> back in there sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> to be able to remove the camera from my bag with a graphmatic back already loaded in and just use the the sports finder and the range finder to dial in my focus that's exactly what i was looking for I, i'm not going to be particularly using this one as like a movement machine uh, doing some hardcore landscape or architecture stuff with it. So for for the purposes of what I want to use it for, and and in my research, it seems to be the perfect like handheld uh, press camera for me. Awesome. 
All right. Well, Johnny, uh, I guess we should move on to you. What, what have you been up to lately? I mean, I know that you kind of kind of update people every week uh, on, on, on classic lenses, but, you know, maybe I don't, I don't know why anybody would listen to this podcast and not yours. But uh, and, and just in case that rare breed uh, is out there. Well, what, what have you they, been up to? They, they would have heard they would have heard classic lenses podcast today if I had not slept through it. Um <laughs> I literally didn't get up for it, and I got up at about ten, and I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> so they, they're, we're gonna do it this week on Wednesday instead, yeah. Okay. And I, and I will actually be awake to do the podcast. So there was no classic lenses podcast today, so this is not a double podcast day for me like it was last time. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, so, so there's that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing our thing on Wednesday, um, and uh, I've actually been. Uh, you know, I get in ruts with cameras. Um, I tend to pick up, I tend to start shooting one camera and that's all I want to use. And it's like the only thing I shoot for like six months. So I'm trying to, since it's, you know, it's summer and there's a lot of light and I'm currently, let's say less than fully employed. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to use that and, and, and now feeling like I can actually leave the house. Uh, I'm trying to do, uh, trying to get, more film through more cameras that I have not been giving enough love to. Um, so I put, I put film in a few different cameras this week that I hadn't shot in a while. Um, and that always makes me really, really happy because, you know, I just get kind of sad when I have these beautiful things that I, I'm just not using. Um, so that, that was my kind of big excitement was uh, putting a roll of film in my Petri 1.9 CCS rangefinder. Um, I got, let's see. Oh, I put a roll of film in, I call it the Tom Sawyer. It's the Sawyer's Mark IV, uh, which is a, uh, four by four centimeter twin lens reflex. Okay. Uh, and yeah, yeah, so Cheyenne Morrison has got a big boner for this camera right now. And he just (laughs) wrote, uh, he just wrote a, uh, an expose as he, you know, as he does, he just wrote an expose on the Sawyer's Mark four. So I'm like, you know, I just pull that camera out and give it some love since I always given Cheyenne a hard time about something, but, um, <laughs> but, but it's really a great little camera. And I, I, I had thought it was not feeding film correctly and I, I had never finished the roll I put in it. So, um, so I finished the roll and I'm like, all right, let me throw a dummy roll in here. And I rolled that roll through and it fed fine. So I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. It seems like it's working fine. So I got another roll in that camera. Um, and then I brought out the, uh, the camera that I, um, I think I posted in a comment, uh, yesterday on negative positives, but I, I have the, um, I call it the Batman Bessa, which mm. is my, my, yeah, the it's blue my one, be- the blue one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's my I love, blue. I love that camera. <laughs> yeah, I love this camera too, man. It's so great. So it's a it's a Bessa R two, um, but it's blue. Yes. So it was yeah, it was like this really limited edition camera that they um, they only sold in Japan, mm. and it it kind of a good story about it. It it um, it showed up at Central Camera. We bought out this collection. I mean, it was like a you know every once in a while we would get like a serious collection, right? Of lots of different things and this was in the collection and it it had quite obviously never been used mm. um so i was playing with it it was on the shelf i'm like oh man I, I really like this camera i really like this camera so um at the time i had a uh nikon s2 rangefinder which 
I tried really hard to love and just never connected with it. So I, I, I brought, I brought the Nikon S2 in and I traded it for the, the blue Bessa. Um, <laughs> and then somebody made a comment. It might've even been here in negative positives on the Facebook page that it looked like, you know, Batman's camera basically. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck yeah, it does. And I went and got a Batman <laughs> sticker and stuck it on the front. Um, nice. so, so it's, it's now the Batman Bessa. Uh, and, and so, so I haven't been using this camera enough and I, I really like it. This could quite possibly be like my favorite 35 millimeter range find. There's just so much that's nice about it. Um, so the lens that I, um, well, okay. The le- this lens I had on another camera. It's the, uh, snapshot Scopar, which is a 25 millimeter, uh, F4, uh, snapshot Scopar meaning it's got kind of click stops for preset zone focusing. So okay. it's a really yeah, it's a really cool user user lens like for walking around because you don't think about focusing, you're just basically distance guessing and you got a ton of depth of field. So that's really cool. So I, I actually had it on a uh, Zorky 4K, um, which is my very most favorite Russian rangefinder camera, Soviet rangefinder is the Zorky 4K. Um, and I, I shot a roll through it. And I, 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 I really like that camera, great viewfinder, but the one I have kind of crapped out on me, it had a shutter problem. So, um, uh, Eric Koss, who is in Belgium, a lot of people know who Eric is. He, oh, yeah. yeah, he had one and he's like, I'll just send you mine. I'm not using it. So he sent me his and it's really nice. Um, other than it, it stank so skunky of like Belgian hash, <laughs> <laughs> like, it it smelled like a just a, like a opium den when I got it, so <laughs> so I I had it like in this tub of uh, baking soda for like six months to try to get the smell out, never worked. So I'm like screw it, I'll just you know I'll put a lens on it and shoot it, and the smell kind of finally went away. Um, so I got I got a roll through that camera finally, and then it kind of locked up on me when I went to take the the change to uh, take the film out, and it's like being a bitch right now, and it won't it won't reset. So I'm like all right. This is getting me down, so I'm I'm gonna take this lens and I'm gonna throw it on the Batman Bessa, because I haven't shot the Batman Bessa for a while. So mm-hmm. I, I'm managing to use a lens that I've not shot enough with a camera I've not shot enough, um, and that's kind of really making me happy. Oh, nice, so, nice. Well, yeah. I, 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 blue camera. Blue's my favorite color. So I mean, if if there was a blue <laughs> Pentax out there, uh, I, I'd be all about it. So, we yeah. could do, we yeah. could do a blue Pentax for you. You could you could turn one blue. <laughs> don't tempt me man like uh, <laughs> you send, send it to those guys in japan man they'll paint it any color you want yeah right. it's like canto camera canto camera yeah uh, okay I've, I've 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 thought about taking like like my k1000 or something and i have the se but it's not the one with like the cool brown leather or leather red it's the brown it's the black one you know uh-huh. and so it's not quite as cool as the the brown i thought about reskinning it was like some some sort of blue blue skin but uh yeah that would be cool (laughs) yeah yeah uh uh, and also um when we were talking uh through communication uh when i was overlooking the ocean drinking way too much bourbon uh which i'm already missing uh not the bourbon i have bourbon but i'm missing the ocean but uh but but the (laughs) the uh you uh, got another little thing going right something uh, like a, a lifestyle thing or something going on is that right uh yeah yeah well I'm so I'm trying to diversify you know I'm right, like right. I'm not working at Central Camera right now because you know got all burnt up 
Um, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to do other stuff. I've been doing some work with Hamish Gill, uh, on 35 MMC, um, just kind of like doing, you know, uh, SEO stuff on the back end to try to just get, you know what I mean? Try to get everything ranking better and easier to find and showing up when you try to search for a camera review. So I've been doing that. So with Hamish, um, uh, so I'm trying to get my fingers in like lots of little projects just to kind of be working on things. So I've been working with my, um, my buddy Rock Kenwell, uh, who, mm. you know, he's a busy Man. guy, growing Ken, family. Ken Rockwell? Yeah, Rock Kenwell. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, so Rock is, he, you know, he's, he's always busy with the family. So I'm like, yeah, I'll help. You know, he's doing this, like, lifestyle brand with all these different T-shirts and right. di- different products and everything. So I'm kind of helping him get that off the ground. That's going to be a new thing he's doing and, you know, something I'll be working on with him. Interesting. Well, I'm gonna look yeah. forward to seeing whatever comes of that. That sounds, uh, sounds well. At least sounds. Yeah. I'm confused, but it sounds interesting. But uh, yeah. But uh, everybody okay. knows Rock Kenwell. I mean, he's yeah. you know, he's a character. He's a good guy. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I guess I should move on to my week before I get more confused here. But uh, <laughs> uh, the <laughs> I, I just got back from Florida. I'm I'm tan, rested, and ready. Uh, actually, I'm just tan. I'm definitely not rested and ready. Uh, I think my liver is uh, suffering. Uh, but other than that, like, I have to say, uh, you know, I've had a lot of weeks here where I have not had anything to talk about. And honestly, we're already 44 minutes into this. So I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'll probably save, maybe I'll mention, uh, go deep, deeper dive into some of this, maybe in the next solo show or whatever. But I did, I shot 16 rows of film in a week. Uh, so that's over like two rows a day. Not too bad. And uh, almost two full. Uh, reels of uh, Super 8 uh, and 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 Double 8 uh, movie film and movie cameras, uh, movie film cameras from uh, Mike Rosso from the FVP graciously sent me a, a Double 8 uh, cartridge uh, or actually a film reel to uh, shoot and I shot that and I shot some uh, a whole re- uh, reel of Super 8, 16 rows of film uh, I brought like, I don't know, 12 cameras <laughs> I shot 10 of them so <laughs> So everyone that says, Mike, you're taking too many cameras, you're bringing too many cameras. Nope, nope, not at all. I, I brought just the right amount. Uh, there was only two cameras I did not shoot. Uh, and one was the uh, the Kodak Reflex 2 TLR, uh, which uh, should surprise no one because I am not the hugest TLR fan. And maybe the Kodak Reflex 2 is maybe not the best representative of TLRs either. But uh, but I do like that camera. I just didn't it, it just didn't really I just didn't get around to it. But the thing that surprised me, the other camera I didn't shoot was the the Poga, the, the Poga. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what we got to call it. The Hoga Wide Pinhole. Uh, I, I bought every uh, the last two uh, Florida trips uh, from previous years. I, I shot a, a, a ton with that camera, and I just didn't. This year was like, uh, you know, pinhole photography. That that type of stuff is, is so slow, and like you have to like. I just didn't have the time, like to take. I didn't have that much. Most of my shooting was in burst or whatever, and like was, I didn't want to take away from family time, so I just did not really have that span to shoot pinhole this year in Florida, which uh, I usually do. And um, uh, so that, that, that's the only two cameras I didn't shoot. But uh, one thing that I, I, I kind of did want to get out about this week, and uh, maybe I, you'll be hearing me elaborate more about my findings when I get all this film developed. I developed like uh, uh, six rows last night uh, and I actually developed uh, for the first time in monobath. I used the FPP monobath that I bought like two years ago at the FPP walking workshop uh, in uh, Finley, Ohio. And I finally cracked it open. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some monobath. And uh, I, I tried it. It worked fine. I haven't scanned it yet, so I don't know exactly how great the results look. But, I mean, the, the, the negatives look fine. My first uh, developing with monobath. And 
I, I, it's weird because I know everyone's used a lot of people use monobath. It's fine. It works, you know, but I, there, there was a part of me that was like a little leery as like, you know, I know this is not, this is different than my process, but I just got so much film to develop. I was like, you know what, this monobath will speed up my process a little bit and I'll be able to get more done in one night. Uh, if I, if I do this and it was quick, I gotta say it's super quick to develop film with monobath. And, uh, I don't know if it'd be part of uh, something I'll do a whole lot, but it was fun to, to try out this whole monobath craze or whatever. But, uh, so I, I did do that. And, uh, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about was uh, one thing I found with all the cameras I took to Florida. And I granted, this is a trip. It's a vacation trip. And I'm trying to recharge batteries. I'm not trying to make this a, a real hectic schedule. It's very laid back. That's, that's, what, that's what vacation is for me. But uh, but I found that, you know, I love mechanical 35 millimeter SLRs and mechanical cameras as much as anybody. Uh, they're beautiful. They're, they're fantastic. I love them. But honestly, my favorite the cameras that I enjoyed using the most while I was down there was like, uh, like my Pentax PZ one P is like a nineties, uh, plastic, fantastic autofocus whiz bang. I was like one eight thousandth of a second shutter speed, which really helped in the bright sunlight to get like a, uh, more shallow depth of field with portraits and stuff like that. Uh, like autofocus cameras, even my little compact, like Pentax UC one, which is sort of the, uh, I guess it's sort of Pentax's, uh, Olympus stylus epic sort of uh, competition or whatever. I shot a ton with that and like the whole the regular whole guy I shot a ton with all these cameras that were just fast, just shoot, 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 and like not think about it too much. Use the very uh, the little time that I had to shoot without taking too much family time away. Like that was what I really enjoyed. And I and I I don't know, man. I, I'm starting to think that I really really enjoy autofocus. Uh, Johnny, I, I know you're around the same age as me, and uh, the the eyes aren't what they used to be. <laughs> And like manual focus cameras, <laughs> manual focus cameras, oh. uh, those beautiful mechanical things. I love them. And when I go out <laughs> shoot here in Louisville and I've got all day and I'm just by myself, I can take all the time I want to focus. But like when I've got the family, when the kids are like, great, we're going to do more portraits. Uh, like when is this going to be done? Like autofocus is a blessing because it's like, you know, zip, zip, zip and it's done. And like but me, like constantly focusing and like, hold on, hold on. Don't smile yet. Don't smile yet. I'll tell you when to smile. Like all that was like. It just was a completely eye-opening thing. I was like, in certain situations, man, I'm really just enjoying the autofocus. Like, uh, <laughs> like my eyes aren't what they used to be, and I can't focus manual focus as fast as I used to be able to. And uh, it was just a big kind of revelation for me. Like, uh, even like the the Pentax Six Seven, like. Uh, I shot quite a bit of portraits with that, and uh, and you know, I. I I did do something that I haven't done with the six seven very much. I actually turned the aperture off f two point four for once uh, with the one hundred five lens. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's crazy talk. Uh, but I actually went to like f four at times, you know. So just <laughs> just to maybe help me a little bit on that focus, because like you know, with a, with a portrait, you don't you. Man, it, the whole thing's ruined. So, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I just a couple of little revelations I had when I was out uh, when I was shooting in Florida, which uh, uh, didn't necessarily see coming. And uh, so, I don't know, Johnny. You, you do you have any love? For I was autofocus? just gonna say, can we talk about old guy stuff for a minute? So, <laughs> so, 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 are you are you are are you wearing wearing cheaters, Mike? To read, do you need to wear glasses to see anything uh, close up? I, I wear I wear glasses with the. Uh, the no line bifocals. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah right. Yeah. But they're just like reading glasses, right? Basically. No, no, or, I got prescription. Yeah. Oh, you no. do. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cause, yeah. cause my, my, my eyesight, like I hit like 47 and a half yeah. and my eyesight like crashed and burned. 
That's so age. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it happens to everybody right around the time they hit 50. And so for me, it was driving me nuts because I couldn't really shoot uh, SLRs anymore because it. I mm. mean, I couldn't get anything in focus, you know. Right. Um. So. So anyway, I started wearing reading glasses, and I'm like, I I don't know how people with glasses use cameras and like stick a camera up against their face wearing glasses. I, I don't I, know. I I can't I do it. My, I have to take my glasses off. Like yeah, I, uh, yeah. Or, uh, I can't. I can't do it. What's that, Andre? It's that story of my life. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I, I I certainly feel that pain now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah, SLRs have turned into a absolute nightmare. TLRs are pretty bad too. They're a little mm. bit better because you've got more eye, more distance from the screen, and you've got a nice magnifier there. But they're still tough. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been really struggling, and you know some cameras are worse than others. But it definitely my my interest in range finders has grown as my eyesight has gotten worse because it's just you can actually focus them without as much trouble, right? Yeah, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, but, but wait. I, I got this all figured out. The the secret is we all need just to get we need to get monocles. <laughs> there so you go. I'm gonna get a monocle just. To, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk around with a monocle on, and I'm only, only when I'm shooting SLRs, and that way I can get like the viewfinder up closer to my eye, but without right. like a pair of glasses smashing into my face. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna try it out. It's gonna be a new thing, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's actually one thing that I've been, you know, thinking about. It, it's probably time for me to get a new pair of glasses because I already know that this prescription is pretty old and it's getting a bit tough to to see detail at super far distances. Uh, uh, but the current glasses that I have, the the lenses are so thin and they sit so close to my face that I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to see the outsides of the frame lines in my M2 with uh, with anything that's like thicker than that. So that's got me a little little pissed off and wanting to potentially, you know, just keep this this pair for when I am am shooting and you know, most of the time during the week when I'm not shooting, then stick with the the new glasses that I can't see shit in. <laughs> well, one thing I, that I've found like with the PZ1P, it has like a, you know, the diopter adjustment on the, on oh, the, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was able to dial that in to, to my vision without glasses. So yeah, but now, right. and uh, so I also shot the, the Leica R7 and, uh, it has a diopter adjustment on it as well. And I keep moving it. I don't think it works. Like it, it, like <laughs> I can't get it to look any clearer. And I'm like, uh, so I literally, when I shot the Leica, I shot a couple rows through it. Uh, like uh sorry uh i i had to uh like literally had to i had to rely on the little split prism uh thing to to almost like i would have to do with like a range finder or whatever to make sure i had the eyes in focus and i actually did the trick uh i think andre i think you might have mentioned this i had I had to do the trick where i would have like you know the family hold their finger next to their eye and like get their finger to line up you know <laughs> before i took the shot just to make sure because i couldn't see through that damn thing man i think the diopter thing might be might be screwed up on it because the more i move it and it never seems any clearer like uh the the prism the split prism thing tells me i'm in focus but the whole screen looks out of focus uh, to me so so yeah. we'll see we'll see if those come back even even remotely in focus I don't oh know. man <laughs> i i hate split prisms i've just got to say i hate them yeah. because I, I've, I had, all right. I had suspected for years that split prisms were bullshit. (laughs) I mean, even when my eyes worked, I'm like, I'm looking at my, you know, I used to shoot, 
uh, an X700 Minolta forever. I mean, I, I shot the camera forever for years. It was my first camera and I shot it, you know, for the first 10 years I did photography. That's all I shot. And I would, and I would get my slides back and stuff and I'd be like, man, it looks like not exactly like the focus is right. For years, I thought that, right, you know? Right, um, And then and then my eyes got bad, and I'm like, I, yeah, this prism thing doesn't do anything at all. It's just, it, it, there's a really funny, if you find it online, there's a really funny um, video where Gary Winogrand is talking about SLRs and how they're impossible to focus because basically everything looks in focus all the time. <laughs> right. And and so then what do you do? You put a split prism in, which is essentially a rangefinder. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so right. you're turning an SLR into a rangefinder with a split prism. Anyway, I was just ranting about split prisms. <laughs> but I, I they do me no good whatsoever. But the diopter thing, yeah. An SLR with like an adju- a good adjustable diopter, like on those yeah. those pentaxes are those mm-hmm. are really nice. I mean They're it's really real nice. Yeah. yeah. And the weird thing is, the, the one the camera that I have that has a good diopter that helps me a whole lot is autofocus anyway, and I don't even, I don't really need it. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, the other thing was like, um, uh, I just, why, okay, with the, with the split prism thing, what, what, what bugs me is like, I have one Pentax camera, and the strange thing is like my, probably my cheapest one, it's like a P30T or something, it's like a plastic body, late 80s. Uh, manual thing is it was kind of like the replacement uh, to a K1000 or something like a student camera or something, uh, but it the split prism in it was like diagonal and that was so much more useful. Oh like, yeah, like why don't they why weren't they all diagonal? It's so much easier to focus with that than that little when it's just horizontal. Like it's yeah. it, like you can't focus on somebody's eyes on a horizontal line, you know, unless you got to turn the camera a weird way. Now sometimes in portrait mode it helps, but like if you're taking a group shot. And you're doing uh, like a you know a horizontal like a, a, a landscape mode. You can't focus with a horizontal you know uh, split prism line. Yeah. You know it's just yeah uh, yeah it's just sort of annoying. But uh, I'm such an SLR guy. But I'm starting to realize as far as SLRs go, uh, I, I need a, a, at least a diopter adjustment. And if not that, I need autofocus. Man, like I'm yeah. I'm I'm, I'm kind of sewed on it. <laughs> That's why I've been enjoying using the F100 so much since I got it because. You know, if I'm shooting an SLR, it, it's probably because I want to be, you know, having a shallower depth of field because I'm, I'm typically not, you know, opening up my aperture very wide on my rangefinders, none of which are, are particularly fast. I've got an F2.5 and an F2. So, and, and also with the, with the minimum focusing distance between my rangefinder cameras and my SLR cameras... If I want to be shooting something, you know, closer than a meter or just be more comfortable working at closer distances and shooting wide open, then, yeah, having something that has autofocus to me helps me just kind of get rid of 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 all those variables. I can set it to wide open, you know, to aperture priority and then just hit that back button autofocus and boom, it's going to be perfect every time. I don't have to rely on my eyes. I don't have uh-huh. to spend a lot of time trying to nail focus. For for me, for that particular uh, purpose, having in an autofocus SLR has been a huge, uh, you know, source of comfort. To the to the point that I don't really use my Nikon FE almost ever unless I'm just doing very very general walk around stuff by myself with nobody else there, where I can use that 
that split image and and you know line it up properly take all the time that i want yeah yeah I, I feel the same way like i feel like like my mechanical cameras and stuff the manual focus stuff i love them but like that's that's like i go out and shoot by myself i got all the time in the world to like and it's mostly like scenes or whatever that's fine but doing portraits where you gotta nail those eyes and you're trying to get like a shallow depth of field like man like autofocus is so much easier and one thing i, I also found out was with, with like the pz1p like uh it you know the autofocus is just in the center so basically you put the center dot on what you want in focus press down halfway, let it lock, and then you recompose. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I don't like having 50 billion different focus points because uh -huh. it always chooses the wrong one. Like, I, we have a, a ton of pictures we took with our Pentax digital SLR, the K70. And some of them were out of focus because it chose some focus point other than what I wanted. And like, give me that, just give me that center. I'll, I'll, let me tell you what I want in focus. You focus on that, then I'll recompose. I like that so much better. Like, uh, I don't like 20 billion different focus points. Like, because uh, I never know what it's, it never selects the right thing, it seems like. So, yeah. But, all right, we are, we are an hour into this first segment. And we have a resilient... <laughs> and we have, we have, I'm tired over this whole like focus thing because I'm like, oh yeah, I just do all the manual. <laughs> <laughs> we have a uh, one million, uh, one million thousand uh, 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 questions to Johnny in this next segment, so we should probably get to that. So, all right, let's let's take a break. I need to uh, go uh, water uh, the thorny bush anyway, and. Uh, uh, so yeah, let's uh, we'll take a break and uh, we'll be right back, folks. Folks, we're back with the break, and this is where we like to ask the guests questions from the Negative Pauses Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. And uh, we got a bazillion questions uh, to Johnny uh, when we planned on having him on uh, a couple months ago or whatever. And we revisited that thread and didn't realize that we had quite so many questions. And we have <laughs> a lot, and most of them from Simon Forster. But, uh, but, <laughs> but so we're going to try to like hit the, the, the meaty ones and, um, We'll, we'll see we'll see what we can get to uh, without this show being uh, five hours long. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into them. Uh, Andre, what do we have up first from the Facebook group? All right. So the first one we've got comes from Anthony Cronin, who asks, do you believe, and then in parentheses, I do, that physical camera stores have a future? And if so, what new ideas would you bring into the new blank canvas of Central Camera Shop to keep the footfall? Examples, a chill-out coffee dock with photo magazines or a teaching film development corner or a trapdoor <laughs> a trap door in the floor over a snake pit for any annoying Englishman and their likes. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, I've actually given thought to this question uh, <laughs> because standing in that shop for many hours at a time, I've thought about this exact sort of thing. Um, a, a couple things. Um one is kind of just funny, uh, is that my, I have a friend um, who has a photo booth company, and one thing I would definitely do in a heartbeat is put a vintage rehabbed chemical photo uh, booth yes. in central camera. 
That would be so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so when you got your little print, it would say central camera on it. And, you you know, so I, I wanted to do that forever because it would just get foot traffic in the door. And it's mm-hmm. something for people to come and do and hang out at. Um, but I think the other thing that's really essential is that um, people want to have an experience and they want to learn something. I mean, otherwise, you can sit your ass at home and just watch YouTube videos. Um, so I, I think people want to learn stuff you know, kind of hands-on with somebody, which is really kind of what Central Camera, that's what we do. We just kind of hang out with people and they ask questions and if they're trying to get something, we ask them questions about what they're going to do and, you know, you figure out what's the right fit for someone. But I think on a larger scale, like doing, you know, classes about whether it's film development or just, you know what I mean? Like you go to the Apple store and they have that whole calendar of events. Mm-hmm. People just come and hang out and they watch a presentation and all that stuff. I mean, I guess something kind of like that where people can come and have a more um, interactive experience where they're they're really kind of learning something, but maybe more of a kind of group kind of experience rather than strictly one-on-one. Um, almost building almost building a community around the store as much as anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- exactly, exactly, yeah. I, I love the photo booth idea. When my wife and I were dating in the, in the 90s, uh, every time we, uh, you'd be at a mall and there was a photo booth, or anytime you went anywhere and there was one of those photo booths, we always got them done. We still have those things. Yeah, and I love them. And like they, honestly, I don't know what that process was. I'm guessing it was somewhat similar to like some sort of Polaroid process or something. Because, but they've all held up. They haven't like faded yeah. or anything. Strangely, and uh, it's kind of crazy how well those have held up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 solid. And my 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 buddy who who does those, Anthony, um, they buy them. They'll they'll go all over the world to buy like old photo booths and bring them back and rehab them and oh, wow. just put them back out in the world. And it's, can, it's really can, cool. Can you still get the chemicals and paint? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. Who, yeah, who no, makes it? I, I mean, it's just standard. Chem- <laughs> it's just standard chemistry. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, it's just a special, special process, but it's just standard chemistry. Okay. So, and what, what yeah. about the paper? What kind of like, how, what's the paper? What, like, I it- mean, it's on a, it's on a big roll. Um, okay. I think it's basically like the old Agfa copy proof system where it's essentially um, like a diffusion transfer, um, okay. which I won't I won't explain all that now. But it's basically <laughs> it, it's a process that that is very similar to uh, Polaroid peel apart. It's mm. similar to that. It's not the same, but it's similar. Mm. Um, so it's it's a and I mean, that process has been around like fucking forever. Right. So right, it's not right. a new thing, which is why those photo booths have been around forever. Oh, uh, so but cool. anyway, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's it's definitely still doable. He's one of the few people who's actually doing chemical chemical photo booths. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, we got we got we got in one recently, and it was like some really bad like uh, digital print, and it wasn't it wasn't the same. Oh well, yeah, wasn't the same. Yeah. yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. But all right, what do we got next? All right, next we have Neil Pfeiffer, and he's from the Suit and Whitewash podcast and he has it's kind of like a little two-parter so he says what are your views on pinhole photography and then he says please tell listeners why the minolta riva panorama or whatever it's called on your side of the pond is a fantastic camera don't worry about driving up the prices i have mine already <laughs> I, I like everyone these, should i like these i like these asking a, a host of the classic lenses podcast about a camera with no lens so uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i think simon might have put him up to that uh, <laughs> maybe so I, I, yeah, I love pinhole photography. 
I love it. I haven't done it in far too long, but I love it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I could tell stories, but I, I won't, so we can get through this. <laughs> anyway, I love it. That's a short answer. Um, <laughs> the Minolta Riva panorama kicks ass because it has a panorama viewfinder. So you look through the viewfinder. It has this big, beautiful viewfinder that's in panorama format. It's not a couple of, like, fake bright line marks it's not whatever it's it's like it's the shape of the picture so you're composing right. in panorama so to me like to me the brain does something different if you're composing in the final form of the image right um and the to me the riva panorama is like an amazing little point and shoot because it does panorama you're thinking in panorama. You're not cropping it later, right? You're actually seeing it cropped in the viewfinder, which I think is brilliant. Well, you know, APS cameras had that built in. You just put it on. Just saying. Andre, you had that camera, didn't you? I did, and I sold it a few months ago, and I'm already starting to regret it again. So <laughs> I'm, I'm getting back into darkroom printing and... Uh, Ethan might be, you know, letting me borrow a, a Branco pan, and I've got nice. recessed uh, lens boards for the the enlarger, and I'm just starting to really, really think, man, how cool would it be to to print, you know, whether it's a it's a true panoramic, uh, you know, negative or you know the little pseudo panoramas. You know how cool would that look to print those in the darkroom? And thankfully, the the, the prices have been keeping pretty stable you can find yeah. one on ebay all day long for between 80 and 100 dollars yep. so I'm, I'm not super duper worried if i if i end up getting a a little bit of an itchy trigger finger in the in the next you know year uh, i'm hoping that the prices still stay around there well yeah. that's you should well you should probably jump on one now though because after this podcast here since we have uh 100 million three thousand uh <laughs> listeners <laughs> so it's definitely gonna drop the price up, right? So yeah, yeah. There you go. So you better, better jump on Ho- that. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> All right. What we got next? All right. Next up from uh, Mr. Anthony Rue uh, asks: Is using a camera or lens even remotely as interesting as talking about it, reading everything on the <laughs> internet about it, the thrill of hunting it, buying it, and then talking about it more? No. <laughs> 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 yes and no. I, I I I would just say I I like using cameras far more than developing the pictures and making pictures from cameras. So <laughs> so there's that. Would you consider yourself more of a gear nerd or a photography nerd? Uh, no, I mean I love I love both things, but I mean yeah. ultimately I I I like the experience of looking through a viewfinder. I mean that's to me honestly that's really I like. I like focusing on the world through a camera. Mm-hmm. I just like the act of, of doing it. And, and really, honestly, the photos are kind of an extra bonus gift. But I, I do it because I enjoy the process of doing photography, of just making the seeing, seeing, seeing. I enjoy the process of seeing mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. much as actually making pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever find yourself? I, I think we all find ourselves in this boat where like you're out somewhere and you don't have a camera. And you you sort of visualize the scene. You're like, oh, I wish I had my camera with me right now. Like, I have. 
I am not exaggerating when I say this. I have literally not had that happen to me since I was 15 years old because I have not left the house without a camera. Oh, very good. <laughs> I'm, nice. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm sounding like a dick or whatever, but I, <laughs> but I'm serious. I just don't leave the house without a camera ever. It's just like it's just such a part of life for me that I, I just I feel really strange if I don't have a camera with me. I mean, there I'm exaggerating it's a like, little in that there's times right. You're going next right. door, but I, but if I'm doing anything, I have a camera with me. I just always. It's okay, like, it's but like, what about driving? Because that happens to me while I'm driving, problem. and there's yeah. just like yeah. no way that you can take it. But you see something amazing. Oh, sure there is. Like behind the wheel, and you're like, oh yeah. No, no, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have loads of those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I need lessons in that then. <laughs> you just gotta, you, you just gotta, you gotta preset everything, right? So you gotta preset the camera to whatever f stop, and you gotta have your, you know, you get five hundredth of a second, so you didn't get all blur unless you want blur. Yeah, you just gotta preset it so it's point and shoot. Nice. All right. All right. <laughs> I've almost gotten killed so many times. Oh my God. Taking... <laughs> not recommended for them. No, not so much. All right. Well, I'm going to ask this one from Nelson Mullis because I have no idea what this is. So I'm curious too. When was the last time you shot your Petri Green Omatic? What is that? Oh, <laughs> All right, here, here we go. I thought this podcast uh, was going to be two hours. If we're going to talk about that, uh, he's going to go into a rant that's going to be four-hour podcast. I'm going to start. Wait, hold on a second. I'm telling you what I'm going to do right now. I'm going over here to my fucking phone, and I'm going on the timer. I'm going on. How much time should I? Let's click the stopwatch. All right, I'm watching the stopwatch. I'm going to cut myself off at one minute. So the Petri... The Petri Green Omatic is a fixed lens rangefinder made in like 1958, 59, 60 um, by the Petri Camera Company. And it has uh, the, the, the frame line window has this piece of greenish glass over it. So when you, when you look through the viewfinder, the frame lines like super pop out. They're, mm. they're extremely bright because they're like this green, this green glass gimmick thing. Um, uh, but I, I, I've used the, that camera this week. So I, 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 I use, I, it's one of the cameras I had not been using and I just started using it this week. If you want to learn more about it, look for the, look for the Petri Greenomatic cult on Facebook <laughs> because I have started a cult for this camera cause it's that good. <laughs> and would you put it in your top five cameras of all time? Yes. Wow. And I'm out of time. <laughs> Nice. All right. Uh, you're the first uh, uh, guest we've had that self-imposed time limits. I like it. But uh, so, I right, want to Andrew. answer a lot of questions. It's so, <laughs> right. it's so much fun. All right, Andrew. Andre, what do you got next? All right. From Mr. Greg Ops, he asks, if you could assemble, not buy, the perfect dream camera for yourself, what format would it be and what features from other cameras would you borrow ideas from in order to make it happen? Oh, dude, I hate you. How can you ask me this? <laughs> not you. Not you, Andre. <laughs> Talk about Greg. Greg, you're a bastard. Um, no, because there's so... Uh, it just kills me because there's like there's so many formats that I, I really like. But I, would, I think what I'm going to have to say is that if I could build like an ultimate panorama camera that would probably be my thing because it's such a 
it's such a um, it's such a weird format that it requires really unruly cameras to do, mm-hmm. um, and. I don't know, man. There, it would be like um, probably like a six by seventeen pano camera. Wow! Uh, but it wouldn't be like the you know uh, Fuji makes one of those, and uh, who else made one? That Technorama, right? Um, so I don't know. It would it would be some kind of jumbo, super jumbo, super panorama, like one twenty panorama camera. Like so it would be like seventeen inches on the long side. Or 17 centimeters on the long side. And it wouldn't cost like $5,000? It wouldn't cost $5,000 and it fit in my pocket. <laughs> it's a lot to ask. You know, I think the, <laughs> the physics is against you there, Mr. Sisson. Yes, you are correct, sir. <laughs> That's why I try not to think about this too much, because it you like there's no good solution. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Roxanne, what's next? All right, so we have from Mike Novak, and he says, which forgotten or obscure middle-of-the-road Japanese camera will become the next best investment? The Pentax PZ-1P. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God, that's like an unanswerable question. I don't. I don't know. Middle of the road, like you'd have to defeat. We could spend an hour defining middle of the road. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I. I. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I. I mean, I. One that I love is the the Konica Auto Reflex, the half frame, full frame. But that to me, that's by no means middle of the road. Right. That's you know what I mean. It's. I don't know. Is that the one that can also shoot in half frame? Yes. Switchable full frame half frame. It's built like a tank. It's beautiful. It's it's an amazing camera. And they, they, uh, there have been several people over in, in the in the negative positive Facebook group that have been talking about this camera recently. The contacts? So, no, the the uh the Konica. Konica. Yeah, Con- yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I had a I bought a couple of Konica cameras from a, a guy that was clearing out a huge collection of Konicas. I think I ended up giving them away on like a, a, a giveaway here on the show. But uh, uh, but I didn't realize there was a Konica that, that would shoot half frame as well. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that apparently is the one that's 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 the one to get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really nice. It's like yeah. that. It's just it's it's super well built. I mean, it's like it's like Nikon F level build quality. Um, well, that's what surprised me out of the Konica's. I got I got some of the base models, and they were so heavy. Like like, yeah. how did they make these things so heavy? Like yeah. they're for the size. Like they was like the same size as like a K one thousand, but they weighed like uh, three times that. Like I, yeah. I, I don't know what kind of metal they use there, but like, <laughs> any any uh, lead weights in the cameras? <laughs> right, right. <Could> be. <laughs> wow. to happen. Yep, yep. All right, so uh, uh, where are we at? Um, Roxana? Oh, I think I just went. Didn't I? Um, Next up from Mr. Theo Panagopoulos asks here, obviously there are other priorities in the current situation, but are you or one of the other photographers located in Chicago going to photographically document the central camera transition slash rebuild slash reopening? I'm sure the answer to that is yes. Uh, I'm sure one of my fellow staff peoples uh, have been doing that along the way and i know there have been a few other people that have walked through the space and taken some shots um i think roger leonard 
walked through there and posted some shots. So I mean, there have been a few floating around. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm sure that someone there has been doing that. I mean, I haven't been there since the fire because I've mm-hmm. been I've been sick most of the time. But I haven't been there at all. Uh, but I assume that that probably my at least one of my coworkers, like Charles, is probably doing that. So mm. yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it seems like something that needs to be documented. It is such a like historic uh, place, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, and it it it's weird too because, you know, I realize that um, I have a lot of photos that I took while I was working there. Um, I mean, some was just kind of digital stuff screwing around to test cameras, but I mean, I took some film shots there too. And I mean, I have pictures of coworkers that have passed away, and you wow. know what I mean. And and now it's like, all right, I've got a picture of a coworker. Who's passed away in a space that no longer exists? You know. Yeah, I mean? it's it's that it's it's whole thing where something you take may seem mundane at the moment, but later on has a ton of meaning. Yeah, Ex- exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, very cool. All right, Roxana, what we got next? All right, so I am skipping down from some of these here, and we're gonna go with Baz, and he says, "Has he ever answered the desert island camera and lens question?" So uh, I'm going to throw that at you. What oh is my the God, you're killing me, lens question. With this question. <laughs> I'm picking the best ones. You are. <laughs> oh man. I think, um, Perry, I think it was Perry uh, that that mentioned on the on the little group chat that we have in uh, with all the podcast hosts, where he was like, "Well, Andre, the the classic lenses weight is not either or; it's and slash both." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, no, I, any any one of those uh, of those classic <laughs> lenses, uh, jokers to to narrow things down to one camera is is do, quite. Do, do you think? Do you challenge. think you could? Do you think, I don't know that I could name one. I, I haven't really thought about it. But like, do you think you could narrow it down to one camera? Like, this is your only choice. You're on a uh, you're on an island by yourself, and you only have one camera with you. Do you? Th- I don't. That's a tough question. Do you I think do, you could do I that? I have an answer to this question. Uh, okay. No, I do, sir, because I've thought about it. I've thought about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me it keeps me up at night it's like that meme <laughs> where the dude is like turned the other way and his wife's like i bet he's thinking about other women and it's just a little it's like shows yeah. the text bubble right you know right right Roxanne? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a text bubble and he's like what camera am i going to take to the desert island <laughs> so um so no i have thought about this and my answer has not changed in at least 20 years wow so the camera that I would take if I could only take one camera is a Roloflex 2.8C, okay. which is the second camera I ever owned. Actually, with third camera. Um, the even first was your, even with your aging eyes. <laughs> yeah, don't even go there. Don't even go there. I'm gonna have a monocle, okay? It's oh, we're assuming go. I have a monocle. Right. We'll let's take a monocle. We'll let's yeah. take a monocle to the trip. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's so the the. The it was the so the first camera I ever had. This is really gonna be short. The first camera I ever had, real camera, was Minolta X700. And then I liked it so much, and I wanted to be able to carry a second camera with different film in it. I got a Minolta X370. So my first ten years as a you know quote unquote photographer was with those two cameras. And uh, about 1996, I was like, all right, I'm ready to get a new camera. I'm not sure what I want to do. But I think I want medium format because I want a you know bigger negative and blah 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 blah. So I ended up I looked at a lot of different cameras and I ended up getting a Roloflex uh, 2.8C. And 
you know, I've had that camera ever since. I got it uh, CLA'd by Harry Fleenor um, a few years after that. It's still like absolutely perfect. Um, 20 years, 20 plus years later, it, it it's absolutely perfect. Like the day he serviced it. Um, I've gotten other Roloflexes since then, but there's something about that that camera that to me, I mean, part of it's nostalgic because it was like the yeah. first camera I really, really set out to buy that I really thought hard about. Um, but part of it is also just like everything on that camera is so well thought out and well done. So if I only had one camera, I know that with that camera, I would never get bored of the camera and I would never get bored of using it. Very cool. That makes sense. I, I, get, I get you on that. There's a little uh, use and also a little bit of uh, nostalgia involved. And that, that's Absolutely. kind of the two, the two biggest uh, uh, motivations there. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah definitely. All right, uh, Andre, what we got next? Next up from Mr. Rob Jameson is, what's a good camera to buy if I want to look like a really cool hipster, but I have no <laughs> interest in using the camera for actual <laughs> photography, and does Mike's Leica R7 qualify? Yes, the R7 definitely qualifies. Uh, you know what, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm going to I'm gonna have to call you guys out on this. Like You guys, <laughs> at, uh, at one point on Classic Lenses, uh, talk some shit about the R series, and I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a working man's Leica, and I don't understand what what, what the problem is here. Like the, 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 I only have the fifty millimeter lens. That lens is fantastic. Like it's a, it's the best lens I've ever used on a thirty five millimeter system. Like it is so crazy sharp, and the rendering is unbelievable. It is uh, seriously that is a killer lens. It's, right. It is really good. So what was the what's the you know I mean what's the the hate of the R series I mean I, no, I know you okay <laughs> all right the R seven is a rock solid awesome camera the problem is like the R four and the R five okay they, they like they drag the batting average down of the R line because they suck so bad well, see I have an R eight that I love and uh, but you I think said that the, <laughs> yeah R three is good forget about the four. The five you probably want to touch. Then you start to get six and sevens are nice and eights. Those are those are rock solid cameras. Okay, good, good. But I think I you said I so can't argue with this, Mike. I, think, I, can't, I can't. Well, I think you said something about the R eight was like it was basically like like a just oh that to just make well, it yeah we can talk about that. You want to talk about that? <laughs> Uh, not really, because I love the R8, but like you, you were like, oh, like as a design principle, was just, let's just make it bigger and bulkier. Yeah, that, <laughs> right. So when 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 like is out of ideas, they just make something bigger. <laughs> but see, I have I have really long like octopus like tentacle fingers, so the R8 <laughs> the R8 fits in my hands really good. Like you know, so I don't know, but uh, <laughs> it's just you know. It, 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 it's it's just purely knocking them for making a goofy looking camera. It's like uh, it's, see, it's like it the looks, M5. It it's like the M5 of the M line. You know what see, I mean? I think, I think the R8 looks cool though. I think it's a cool looking camera. I remember lusting after that camera like for years. And like you remember like when that camera came out, it was like it's like five six grand in the nineties yeah. or something like that. Like yeah. well, you know, I was talking to Rock Kenwell and he loves that camera. <laughs> he thinks that camera is so freaking cool. It is like the epitome of cool. Like if you were going to buy a camera around that that era, mm -hmm. I mean, that was the only rock star camera you were going to buy in 35 millimeter SLR. I mean, come well, on. That's, that, I mean, that's me. I'm, I am a rock star. So uh, that, that make, makes sense. That's why I, why, I, why I love it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> 
Nice. All right. I just had to put you on the spot about that. I, I was a little, I was a little, I was, I, my, my ego was a little bruised uh, when I listened to that episode where you guys, I think uh, were, you're talking yeah, crap. Just making fun of him for looking like a spaceship. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it, but uh, all right. Uh, what we got next? All right. So next we have from Ethan Moses, and he asks, "What is your best memory of a day out shooting in Chicago?" Ethan Moses from the uh, the Homemade Camera Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mad scientist in the film photography world in general. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, wow, that is like philosophical man <laughs> that's a that's a really tough one i i'm trying to think if i can you know narrow it down to one one day i've got a lot of really specific memories of shooting in chicago and some some good and some not so good <laughs> uh, um i don't know you know for i, I can yeah i, I kind of have one i for a while there, I was shooting. This is a Roloflex story, but for a while there, I was uh, shooting photos of chess players, um, which I still do uh-huh. occasionally. Um, and it's because it's a fascinating kind of subject. And so there's this um, right on the lakefront in Chicago, there's this little chess pavilion where uh-huh. it's kind of open air, but it's got a little roof over it, and it has like you know, like little seating, like, you know, concrete. It's it's all concrete, right? Right. So, but there's like these little kind of, you know, sitting areas and then there's chess boards. And these guys from all over the city would just come and play chess there. Um, and I would spend like hours and hours and hours watching these guys play chess and just shooting them. Um, and that, this one day I spent, you know, three or four hours watching these guys play chess and I got some shots that, um, I still to this day I I really really love them, and I, I I felt like I was like really in the zone with how to shoot that subject matter, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's like this really vivid like lucid memory of that day and shooting certain shots. Like I look at the film and I remember seeing that moment kind of thing. Yeah, because I was yeah. like so in the zone. You know what I mean? Do you, so, do you ever feel like that? Like sometimes like when when just, you have those moments in photography where like uh, you know. Like things are clicking and like your, your creative juices are flowing and man, you're like, you're just, yeah. you're just in a different, you're almost like, it's almost like an out of body experience or something like you're in a, you're oh, in a yeah. weird, you're in a different place, man. Like, it's yeah. like, medi- it's like meditate. It's, it's like meditation. That's yeah. kind of what I me- meant when I, before, when I was saying like, p- I, part of what I like about photography is the experience. It's like, if you're really looking at something, mm-hmm. it's like transcendental, transcendental, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you if you look at stuff long enough and hard enough, this is like a, somebody else's quote, but things will happen that will just like kind of blow your mind because you, you know, it's, it's how people just don't look at things very right. hard. Right. Right. So if you do, you see amazing things and connections and all that. And, and yeah, that's was what that day was like. I was just, it, everything was just kind of making sense in the viewfinder, you know? Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, I think you think came up. You came with a good answer. That that's a hard question. But uh, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> what we got next? Uh, next up, uh, I don't know if we if uh, we we've ever had Johnny answer this one at least on on our podcast. But coming from Gary Clennon, what are some of your other hobbies, and have you always been involved in the photography biz? Um. Uh, so second part first, I have 
feel like there I I'm such a loser. I like I've never been motivated <laughs> to do anything in my life except play with cameras. Like I just I just don't want to do anything else, you know. Dude, that that's way like I have tons of people I know that have like no hobbies. And I I don't understand it. It's it's a foreign concept to me. And exactly. Like, so, How can you yeah. not Exactly. So I, I it's the only thing I've ever been like super interested in, in my entire life. I, my, my parents met in the 1960s working at Polaroid. Um, mm-hmm. So right when Polaroid was like, so Polaroid was like the Apple of the, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. right? I mean, Polaroid stuff was like how people are about Apple shit now. Yeah, like, like was, Steve, Steve Jobs was a, was a obsessed with like uh, yeah. Edwin Land. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So, so back in the day, they had the sexiest, coolest stuff on the planet. Right. And, so that and that was like the heyday of and my you know that's where my parents met and they, um, uh, I mean I feel like I like just grew out of that stuff you know I Dude, mean you, I've had, got, you had you had Polaroid chemistry in your blood man like yeah. I'm not even kidding <laughs> I have a photo it's I have a photo of me sitting on a box a big cardboard box that says Polaroid on it and it was a, literally a sample box wow. of Type 100 film that my dad had in the back of his car because they would he would go demo cameras so. I've just been around it forever, and you, it was. You know, I've never talk, heard you talk about instant photography much. Do you do any of it though? Oh my god, yeah, I'm. It's, uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> shoot it enough, but I mean, it's like my first love. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it's so I, I've always done that. I I went to school for photography, which is stupid career choice. Don't ever <laughs> let your kid go to school for photography. <laughs> um, but then I mean, I worked in photography and I worked in printing and I worked in graphic design and I worked in advertising and it was, but it all comes back to photography, right? Mm-hmm. All of it is like, comes back to that as the core, the core thing. So yeah, it's the only thing I've ever been involved in, honestly. And then, you know, I end up working at central camera after getting burned out working in advertising. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's just like it's the only thing I want to do. And it's a it's, no. It's a noble pursuit, sir. Noble pursuit. Yeah. So yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, other other hobbies. Um, I don't. know. I'm just into strange things. I mean, I I'm obsessed with finding arrowheads, like Native American artifact stuff, which I've never found one in my entire life. But I'm. I'm, <laughs> well, I'm I, can imagine, I can imagine in Chicago that might be a little tough in the inner yeah, city. Yeah, it's a little here. tough. It's a little <laughs> tough. But I'm obsessed with it. And like any time I go anywhere, I just want to walk around in fields and streams looking for arrowheads. So I mean, it's just like a weird obsession. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't think we've ever heard that. I don't know if I heard it first time here for I, folks. I've been <laughs> actually no, no. I've been actually meaning to throw this question like out into a couple photo groups, like of people that just do photography. I'm like. Forget about photography for a minute. Does anybody find arrowheads? Because I want to come with you. Tell me where you find them. I'm, it's like on my bucket list. Right. And I really want to just go hang out with somebody that does this. Um, so there, there's that. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge cyclist, like bicycle yeah. uh, guy. And I mean, it's like, you know, I ride around with cameras and take pictures of things, right? So it's like bicycling and, and cameras just kind of go together for me. So I, that would be my other... My other, my other big one, and and interestingly, I can't repair either of them. I suck at repairing cameras. I suck at repairing bicycles. So <laughs> nice. I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> well, I, I just I have to say today I just bought myself a a, a miter saw because I've got about a lot of woodworking projects I want to do, and I've never done woodworking. So uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks I'll still have fingers. That's what we're. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna figure out if this is because I need another hobby. Like I need a hole in my head. Like I, yeah. I like I got music and photography. Uh, let's just add woodworking to it. And you know what? If I cut my fingers off, that's really gonna affect my both my music and my photography. So I got to be real real careful with this. Right? Just so. don't, don't cut the important ones off. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. What we got next? All right. Well, let's see. Um, I think now we're kind of going out of order. So, <laughs> so I have one from Bill Smith and he says, so classic camera revival podcast. Yeah. yeah. And he says, so Johnny baby, tell us how you really <laughs> feel about Nick or glass and the Nikon camera system. Oh, <laughs> thinks I'm going to dump all over Nikon. Well, here's the thing is like the CCR. I love those guys, but my <laughs> God, they are on, they are on Nikon's jock. They really, are. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to read that question. It was fun. <laughs> Nikon's are wonderful cameras for other people. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, come on! You can't. What's what's not to like about Nikon glass? Right. Nothing. Well, right? I, that brings me to a question, though. Okay, if everyone always talks about like you know Leica glass, Leica or or uh, Canon, Nikon, all that stuff, but like as far as like let's get down to the like the the other Japanese brands, the other major ones: Olympus, Pentax, Minolta. Well, their glass is comparable, right? Like, I mean, like, what, what's your thoughts of the subsets? If you took, if you took, if you went, if you went back in time to 19, you know, 72 and took a 50 millimeter lens from every major camera manufacturer and shot all of them and, right. com and compared them all and made prints and mixed them all up, nobody would be able to tell you which lens made which print except for maybe maybe one of the like a lenses maybe uh, right I, and I'm, I'm i'm serious because they do yeah. have they do have a certain some of them do have a certain level of something to them that's just kind of off the charts but even that i would say you'd be very hard pressed to be able to tell the difference of any 50 anybody's 50 millimeter because they were they were all good i mean they're, right. they're just you know i mean they're just they're all good isn't so, there something also about like a fifty millimeter lens that's it's it's the easiest design on thirty five yeah. millimeter? Yeah. yeah. So it's easier yeah. to put out sharp glass in, in fifty than anything, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I it's just tribal. I mean, it's like most things in life. It's like you know, what sports team do you like and what cars right. do you drive? It's just yeah. ultimately it's just tribal and you like what you like, but all the other stuff is good too, you know. I yeah. just, I just, I, I rant about Nikon stuff sometimes only because my the way my brain works. I, they it, Nikon's don't just like the control the the user interface stuff doesn't mesh up with how my brain works, but that doesn't make the Nikon stuff bad. It just means my my particular thing that I need out of a camera. I'm not on the same page with some of the design choices they made, but that's that's on me, you know. Well, I think part of part of it. I don't know if you feel this way, Johnny, but part of it for me is like. I, I, I cheer for the underdog. Like instead of going Nikon right. or Canon, I was a Pentax guy. And instead of Dr. Pepper, I like Mr. Pibb. So, you know, I, I go for the, I go for the little guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, there's that too. I, I mean, and, and, and again, in fairness, I, or not in fairness, but just matter of fact, I mean, the first camera I ever really used seriously was a Minolta X 700. And, I, I always say that that camera did me a huge favor 
of saving me from wasting money on Canon and Nikon SLRs because it's they're so they were so good. That camera is like it's like the perfect aperture priority camera. I and I never yeah. yeah, and I never needed a different I never needed like an upgrade SLR, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. So I mean it's but it but the reason that it that that I think it's so great is it's the first thing I used. It's like yeah, it's like your first love is always the best or whatever, right? It's just, right. it's just, it is what it is, right? It's, yeah. it doesn't mean it's better. It means that your formative experience was shaped by that particular thing, so sure. it works for you, right? It's, it's, it, and it's definitely back to the tribal thing because my dad was a Pentax guy, and so like it was not, like I just thought Pentax was the best on the planet. Yeah, and, like it, it just, it, I was, it, 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 Pentax was in my blood, like Polaroid Chemicals was in yours. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, what we got next? All right. Uh, before, before we piss off all the Nikon fans of this of this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Simon Simon Forrester, also of the Classic Lenses podcast, sent about twenty questions. So I figure we should at least give him one. And uh, this is my favorite of the ones that he sent in. If Jepson's Malort was a camera, what would it be? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, this is this is not hard actually. <laughs> it would be an Argus brick. Ah, oh, I like the brick. It would be the ugliest fucking <laughs> camera ever made. It would be a it would be a it would be an Argus brick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say I, I, I I'll do I'll, I'll give you this. Like I, you know, I, I famously uh, tried the <laughs> Jepson Lord on a, on a face cast and. Yes, and you know, and you guys have been challenging other people to do it, and I don't really, I haven't seen a lot of bravado coming out of a lot of the community to to try it. I I, I at least had the balls to do it. And, yeah, you uh, scared everybody <laughs> off. That's why they saw what it did to you, and they're like, I don't want any of that stuff. <laughs> And they and they know I, I am rather professional at drinking, so I guess it's something. Uh, but like I will say, you know, I, maybe I can. I'm trying to wrap my head around this because I like the Argus brick, and I did not like Jepson's Malort. But I will say, <laughs> I guess they both get the job done at, at the end of the day. <laughs> I guess that's yeah. they, they get the they they get the job done with absolutely no grace. <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to be graceful after you take that shot. I, I, I was telling Andre, uh, uh, I think before we started recording, I was like, you know, I still had the second bottle that, uh, that was, <laughs> and uh, 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 I, I should have like I, I sent Andre a care package recently, and I, I should have just thrown that in there and, and forced him to do a face cast because I would love to see Andre's reaction oh. on that. So, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> you get, you, you, Mike, you got to save that for some poor, unsuspecting visitor to the Gutterman cave. Oh, maybe I should. Yeah. Yeah. Next time Andre's here, I think I'll just save it for the next time Andre's here. Right. That was that was Mister uh, oh, Bob Matter. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He sent those to me, and uh, I I don't know, like. I know he's in Chicago, but like, why didn't he send it to anybody else? Was it? Oh no, I've it... got four bottles here. I've, oh, I've got okay. them, and 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 actually, I the plan was I was gonna. I just need. I need to do this. It's just it costs like it's gonna cost like fifty dollars to send a stupid micro bottle to Hong right. Kong, and another fifty to send one to the UK. And you're not even supposed to ship it because well, you know. I have a history of bootlegging alcohol to Andre from from Kentucky, so. Uh, oh, yeah, all right. I, so it's give doable. Some <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. We'll talk. We'll talk. Um, 
but yeah, so the idea was I had to send those guys each a mini bottle and we're going to do like a live thing where we all, you know, do the mini bottle, drink the mini, yeah. like, like basically what you did, Mike, except right. we're going to all do it together. Uh do a little oh, thing. I, I, I still have, like, I honestly, like, I, I have taken a lot of bad shots in my life, and uh, that one's up there, man. Like, I'm telling you, like, I, I, I wasn't quite prepared to just how foul it, it, it really was. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, did you, did when you guys were kids, did you ever accidentally like swallow a bug? And, like, <laughs> like, like, like it got in your mouth, and you, you like didn't just swallow it, like it got on your tongue, and maybe like bit it a little bit or something. It tastes like a bug. <laughs> I think that's that's pretty 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 uh pretty uh, abstraction. Tastes like a bug. That's gonna be like <laughs> it's like on their next advertising thing. Oh god, I love it. All right, do we have anything else we need to get to? I think that I honestly, I think that that is a perfect like tie up on there. <laughs> uh, so I'm just gonna say this another this the second bottle of Malort for the 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 next. Uh, Person in the show community, whoever it may be, that uh, that enters the 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 the, uh, the, the confines of the the gutter man cave, and they're, I'm just going to have to like a uh, uh, video of them taking it. I think I'm just going. I just need to save it for Andre, right? Like we, I need to see him take it in person and uh, make a big deal of it. I think, uh, yeah. So that's what you guys are looking forward to next time you come to Louisville, Andre. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you know what it would be, Mike? It, it, what it would be perfect for you have you have sons, right? Yes. Okay, it would be the perfect dad thing. To like, if you had like your daughter or like a good friend with a daughter, right? And somebody wants to like marry his daughter, it would be like the perfect dad thing. Like, you gotta, you gotta drink this shot. <laughs> I wanna see what you're made of, son. It would be like right. that kind of thing. Right, right. It would be uh, just like it's like a dad setup thing. The weird thing is, it's it's still in my freezer. Like, it, it doesn't matter how ice cold you make it; it's it doesn't get any better. No, just, doesn't no. matter. No, no. no. All right. Well, I guess we will take us a little break here and uh, we'll come back and uh, try to figure out how the hell to wrap this thing up. Uh, And uh, so we'll take a break and be right back, folks. Folks, we're back for the final segment, and this is where we kind of want to like a follow up with some more uh, stuff we want to talk about with uh, Mr. Johnny Sisson from the Classic Lenses podcast, and also you know employee of Central Camera in Chicago. And uh, I'll go ahead and start off with uh, kind of my question, which actually involves Central Camera. I was like, uh, I was thinking about this, Johnny. Like, uh, you know, if the Ford plant burned down, I would probably be dancing in the streets, uh, and <laughs> because uh, <laughs> uh, I'd be out of work for a while and not have to work a factory job. And I know that Ford would like rebuild it quicker than I probably would like because uh, uh, we make like the most profitable truck in their in their lineup right now. So, uh, uh, but when you found out that it was on fire, was you like online like checking out the news feeds, trying to see footage of it? Like, did it bother you? Like, I mean, because this place you've had a a personal attachment to for a while, not only just from your livelihood, but even I, I would assume like you know you have an attachment to that place. Like, oh yeah, did it, did it disturb you? Like, uh, what was your thoughts uh, when you found out it was yeah, on fire? Yeah. Like. Yeah, it's, you know, it's weird because I, I, I think a lot of people saw the interview with the owner. 
um, after the fact. I, I saw that. He was surprisingly uh, upbeat about it. Yeah, well, that's how he is. I mean, yeah. he's 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 an upbeat human being, um, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I guess the fact that he his reaction kind of set the tone in a lot of ways um, for everyone uh, because he, you know, he he was pretty clear about it. He said, you know, I'm this stuff's replaceable. He said somebody got killed. That's why this is happening. And he right. said, that's what I'm upset about. And, and, and I mean, had, I, and he had more of a personal connection to the place than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, 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 he's spent his whole life there and not only his life there, his, his father and then his grandfather. I mean, it's like literally the family business for three generations. Right. Um, so, you know, if he can put it in perspective, everybody should be able to put things in perspective, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, in a way that, kind of set the tone um, because really, I mean that within minutes of finding out that central was on fire, that that video was making its rounds because I mean, he was there as it was happening. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of hard to separate that from the whole experience, you know, because I, you know, I, the, I just, I heard from somewhere it was on fire and then I was, you know, basically heard it as I was seeing it myself uh, somewhere online and um i you know it's like it's 2020 man how nothing is surprising you know what <laughs> right, I mean? the, right. the degree it was that too it was like oh yeah of course it is <laughs> right right the, <laughs> so, only, the only thing the only thing, that, the only thing that might be slightly surprising is like a, a sharknado came down and destroyed it yeah, right like yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty much <laughs> that would be a pretty much it yeah um <laughs> Yes, exactly. And we basically had a Sharknado here today. So, it, you know, not even that far of a stretch. So, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, obviously, I was I was really kind of devastated um, personally about it because it it's such a big... De- I mean, you know, when it was happening, I felt kind of probably in shock. I actually broke down about it about yeah, a month I ago. I, re- I really did. I just kind of like... I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? It, but it... Uh, it's it's just such a complicated thing because I you know I've been going there since I was in high school so right. it's you know it's just some place that's always been there so it's hard to but I mean it in a way it's it's still there it's not actually really gone in a way you know what the I'm soul, saying the, the soul of the place still lives on and yeah and and, and, uh, and you still got the sign right so that's still that's got good. the sign the yeah. sign is still there so. <laughs> Yeah. How, so how, did the sign, how did the sign not get destroyed? Like, was it more like more internal, I guess, or? Uh, well, I mean, the signs, you know, fifteen, twenty feet up off the ground, unless okay. somebody decided to throw rocks at it just to be absolute dicks. I mean, mm. you know, they they wanted what was inside. Basically, they didn't care about the sign. Right. Um. So they just, you know, the the videos out there on the internet. I mean, the store's burning, and the sign is just doing its thing, as it always <laughs> does. It, you know. The sign that, the, the sign about the, I don't know, was it like digital conversion transfers? Did that get burned up, hopefully? Oh, like, yeah. Uh, oh, so I, I, don't know if I, did I, I don't know if I told the story about how that pissed all of us off, that digital transfer. Because, you know, it, there was this sign right over the front door forever that said, we do film. And it was like the thing, you right, know? Right. And, and And so then they had the idea of, you know, let's, you know, we do these video transfer stuff. So we'll put a big sign up over the door that says you know video transfer mm. so covered up the we do film sign i'm like what the fuck you can't do that you know <laughs> so 
we figured out what happened because the sign just sort of fell off. And what happened was the um, the guys that were up there servicing the the neon sign, you know, they it, it, it's it's old sign. It needs to be, you know, things bulbs go out and yeah. all this and that. But they had they had like power washed the sign or something, and the water just kind of ran down the facade of the building and soaked the sign and the, the, the video transfer sign fell off and we do film sign was back and we were all like high-fiving and shit because <laughs> we hated that video but the you know what the worst part of it is is that the boss was right to put the video transfer sign up because every some bitch walking down the street oh you guys do video transfer and i'm like yeah motherfucker we do video transfer <laughs> you know, so it's it's like god damn it the sign's actually working, which was annoying. Um, was, there not but, a, was there not another place to put this video transfer sign? Like, could you? <laughs> no, it's the biggest, most prominent place, I guess. Uh, yeah. okay. Anyway, it was it just it was annoying as hell, and we were really happy when it came down. But it came down prior to the fire. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, who's who's got Andre, Roxana? You guys ready for something for him? Yeah, I've got one. Uh, so. Obviously, this is a this is a time, uh, 2020, just in general, of a lot of change. Us kind of having to adapt to 101 new normals. Within this whole period of change, is there anything when it comes to your own photography that you want to change moving forward? Something new you want to try, or just kind of take a, a new perspective on something that you've done in the past? Um, you oh, know man. you. Deep, deep question here. Yeah, deep yeah. questions. You guys, <laughs> you guys going on with your four by five stuff are almost brainwashing me. Uh, <laughs> I'm not down with it, man. Medium format <laughs> is fine with me. Like, I'm not going to print that big. I don't need that big of a negative. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm just going to throw my ran in there. <laughs> I'm going to be yeah. a lot of contact printing. I'm not, like, I'm picking up an enlarger just to have one, but a little four by five contact printing. Yeah, like contact street. printing. I get that. Well, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm I'm actually a big fan of contact printing my six by nine uh, negative. I like I like small prints. All right, I I've always liked small prints. I think it's it's very interesting how everything over time has gotten bigger, and then you know people are doing wall size murals and stuff. And but I mean if you go back, you know prints were always on the smaller side. Mm. Um, so I like small prints, and I like contact prints because they have an extra kind of. De- depth to them because you know you're you're making this kind of the closest reproduction that you can to it right right um so i really like contact printing and i i started doing some glass plate stuff and contact printing those like i put glass plates on my roloflex and then i was you know contact printing those and i was contact printing some six by nine stuff so i'm like you know i really enjoy doing that again um and i've done you know i did four by five in college and i kind of like had four by five beaten out of me because you know we had to learn how to do it on monorail cameras so i'm uh-huh. i was lugging the damn calumet gray beast all over the city in this you know big box and i kind of grew to hate it um uh-huh. so but i you know i'd always kind of in the back of my mind i've wanted to uh have a nice you know field camera or a press even a press camera like the pressman that that you picked up andre um, to do some four or five again and just make some contact prints. So I don't know. I'm like almost brainwashed and in, back into doing it again. And then I think about how little time I actually spend doing photography. That's not just kind of incidental uh, uh, from going from point A to point B. Right. I mean, let, 
So I That's my joke, problem, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I joke about that. Like I, I'm not a photographer. I'm a pedestrian with a camera. Because I, you know, that's pretty much what I do is I just shoot stuff when I'm walking around. Um, So I don't know. It's like I think about four by five and then I'm like, how many times a year am I actually going to do this? You know, Uh, because how many times a year do I even load up my Roloflex and walk around with that these days? And the four or five is going to take even more time. And it's just I I, it's for me, stuff has got to be pretty quick to be able to do it on the fly. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know, but I and so part of me would really like to do that again, and part of me is like, no, come on, you, you don't have time for that shit. Um, I, I was surprised. I, I did a, a printing project uh, over the last year or so where I was like uh, printing out a shit ton of uh, four by sixes on an inkjet printer just to like fill up family albums, uh, oh, yeah. a, ga- a gap in family albums, family photo albums. And you know, I think there's something weird about like the 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 just the Instagram world we live in. We're so used to seeing these tiny photos on on a screen. Like when I was printing these things, I was like. Four by sixes are actually a lot larger than I remember them being. Like, <laughs> like you know, at one time, four by sixes was like, yeah, like print. And now you print out a four by six, like that's actually a pretty decent size. Like, like <laughs> it's, it's very strange how how, how the attitudes have changed. Like four by six seems like oh, that's a pretty good size print. Like it used to be like that's what you got at the drugstore, and if you wanted something better, you, you got an enlargement, you know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, four by six seems strangely large now. Like <laughs> and it's a size that to me makes so much sense because. You know, it's easily contact printable in the dark room. I can, you know, whip out like a, a bajillion four by six out of HP syncing <laughs> program. Um, you know, in in no worries. And like, if if you give somebody an eight by ten, like, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to put it up on their wall? Probably not. Like, right. So they're just going to put it into like some binder or you know stick it on a shelf somewhere. Whereas like you're actually going to be tempted to hold a four by six or put it on your fridge or something like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 True. And, and that like Ilford, uh, four by six postcard paper. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Sending to friends, like very, very little of what I end up, you know, printing either in the HP or in the dark room is going to be for mounting on my wall or anything like that. 95% of what I print is for, you know, giving to other people. So four by six really tends to be the sweet spot for me. And um, I was, I got one from you and I was thrilled. I mean, right? I mean, it's it's so cool. And like Big Mike sent me a a four by like a contact print, and I was thrilled. It's on my freaking fridge. You know, mm-hmm. it's exactly what you're saying, Andre. It's just, it's a it's a humane size. Right, right. You're you're not asking somebody to like bend over backwards to like display their print when they send you a big eight by ten or something. Like, you know, what am I gonna do with this? Like, I don't worry about this. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's not meant. It's not like it's not supposed to be shock and awe. It's right. you know, it's it's you're supposed to be able to relate to it. It's supposed to be, it's intimate if you can hold it in your hand. It's like the way that um, uh, daguerreotypes were in those little beautifully jeweled folders because they mm-hmm. were intimate and they were tiny and you'd open this little thing up and you'd have like this ref- you know you know how daguerreotypes look with the reflection and everything yeah. you'd have this really intimate like you know portrait of someone that's almost like three dimensional so yeah. it's like yeah, the intimacy of small prints to me is like it really makes sense and I, I mean one thing I'm, I'm just straight up not interested in doing that I haven't done in years is like making enlargements in the dark room because it's just like I sucked away so many hours sitting in the dark over Vata chemistry that it just, I, I, I just, I do not get any joy from it, but I really enjoy still making contact prints 
And I like how small and intimate they are. So I think you're onto something there, Andre, with the the small print thing. Yep. And you know that that is to say for for anybody that has sent me large prints, thank you very much. I appreciate. It. <laughs> <laughs> They're still cool. <laughs> They're still cool. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I I do put them in a in a binder, but you know, I'm gonna be honest. I go through that binder a lot less than I do the little, you know, stack of of four by sixes and uh, you know postcards. That, that people send me because it's so much more manageable of a of a size. Yeah, so sure. it's 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 the format that I like to to print the most. It's the the size that I like to keep in my camera bag. So I, if anybody's like, oh, what are you doing? I can just whip out a small little stack of four by sixes and and show them <laughs> oh, rather than oh, well let me let me pull up my Instagram blah blah blah. Right. Andre, you've been whip, you've been whipping out a lot of things tonight. I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been I've been decorating my dark room with every with the large prints that I've been getting. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I also so, like the so, small intimacy of so like basically- Send Roxanne the large print. Send me and Andre the, the smaller ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Roxanne, what, what do you have for for Johnny? Well, you know, I, I can relate so much with you, Johnny, when you're talking about you know being kind of like a more on the go, take your camera everywhere with you type of a shooter, mm-hmm. and where. I mean, I've only started shooting really like three years ago, so of course I fell in hard. I'm still just as obsessed, but I felt like I went through a phase of like buying so many different cameras. And now I'm trying to like kind of not, I don't want to let them go or anything, but I'm noticing that I'm, I relate on the type of shooter that you are where Mm. I'm not like, I don't think I'm really a big camera type of a girl. And like last year I bought my Hasselblad and you know, I love it, but it's collecting dust. I'm like, like, I want to kind of sell it and get something that's, like more on the go like so this is my question okay if you were to have something that was like a little bit nicer because of lore i i love my canon a1 so much but you know sure. something light and on the go what would you recommend if i was going to get rid of my Hasselblad and like you know get something a little bit more that style oh, yeah, wow. it's, it's, it's like our series that's that's definitely uh, <laughs> that's what you're gonna say right johnny yeah <laughs> So how much of a thing is medium format? Like, do you want it to be medium format or is that not as much of a... You know what? It's not that much of a thing because I have my Mamiya 645 and I really like the aspect ratio of it. I have my roll of flex, which I love for on the go. Oh, 645 is a good format. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love both of those, but I'm kind of, I'm even, well, I'm, I, I'm a rapid shooter. Like I shouldn't be, but I love the 36 frames. Like I love it Uh because I go through rolls of film like crazy. I love Uh shooting. I love it. It's like, I, and then, you know, I have a million pictures. I don't even post them, but I love (laughs) them all. So. (laughs) All right. I I have an idea for you. All right. Um, So what you just said about you love shooting and you can fly through a roll of film and you like, and you have six, four, five. Now six, four, five to me is interesting because it's not the same rectangle as 35 millimeter. It's uh-huh. more square, right? Which it's I like. Right. Yeah. I like 35, that a 35, lot. Two, I love my six, yeah. four, five. Yeah. So that, that aspect ratio. Yeah. 
Yeah, that aspect ratio is really, really nice. It's right. It's like the Pentax. It's like the six seven, right? Mm-hmm. It's it. That's more that more rectang- that more square aspect ratio. It's actually if you if you look at like golden ratio stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- the thirty five millimeter, the twenty four by thirty six, you know, that frame size is actually not really the ideal harmonious golden ratio frame size right you end up losing a portion like there's kind of extra so to me what you said about liking 645 and what you said about wanting to shoot fast and that you want to shoot a lot of stuff um the place my brain is going is the um olympus pen f half frame nice because because you're going to get either 48 or 72 shots to a roll um, it's it's four by three so it's the same aspect ratio as 645 so you got the slightly more square aspect ratio um and it's a you know it's a it's a small camera it's not a super light camera they're surprisingly chunky for their size but mm-hmm. it's a, it's a small camera with small lenses um i mean it's a, it's as small as a little basically like a you know a like a rangefinder um an old school one like a like a three so so i don't know you might get your hands on one of those and see what you think because they're they're beautifully designed and the fact that you know if you like to shoot fast like to me the magic with um half frame like people will complain about how you know it takes forever to get through a roll it's like no the whole thing with half frame is it's like a sketchbook don't think so hard just shoot everything you know mm-hmm. so oh, if you yeah. want to just just shoot stuff just to take pictures and like whatever just you know a half frame is perfect for that because you can just kind of blast away with it yeah. and and you know you get some really cool things that show up just kind of blasting away and then the other magic you get is you get pairs of frames in the dark room you get like two frames in a 35 millimeter so now you got like a diptych and now you got like two ideas in one photo. It's like a whole different thing that you do once you start combining images, right? And I'm intrigued. I'm totally intrigued yeah, by Yeah, so so I don't know. I you might I don't know, it might be something to think about because they're not crazy expensive and and the lenses are super high quality and it's just a it's like one of the most fun cameras you'll ever shoot. Um, Roxana, Roxana, how do you feel about 72 frames a row? Like, yeah. I know, well, you also have to remember that, I mean, I don't post a lot of the stuff that I shoot a ton of because, you know, my, I, because I shoot a ton of what, of my kids, like, and they're fast and they're always moving and I have to just like grab it while they're kind of not looking. I have to be super inconspicuous and I'm not allowed to post any of it, but it's for me. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The the thing that I would say is it's you know it's a tough camera for fast moving stuff. I mean any manual focus SLR to a degree is gonna be. Mm-hmm. So you can do zone focusing makes it a lot faster, right? Yeah. Um. So, but I mean, you know, I don't know. Do you do you do any like do you have any like straight up point and shoot autofocus thirty fives like pocket cameras that you like? I guess that's kind of like also what I was like. I haven't. I'm not a point and shoot type like I yeah. wish there was one that gave me a little bit more control, control. like yeah. what, about the, my... what about the uh, the Ra- the Raleigh 35 like that's a that's an all manual but very oh. small camera right I, yeah I'm oh boy that, that, <laughs> that well no you know what it is that camera to me it's like it's a high maintenance camera by high maintenance I mean it's like 
it's it's a kind of a pain because it's so it's kind of slow, right? It's so yeah. quirky. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like some people love mm-hmm. them. I've never wanted to own one because to me, it's just got too many quirks, and I don't want to think that hard about it. Um, but some people love them, and and they do make really good photos with them. But I'm almost like if you're gonna do that, you might as well get like a a Mew or something like that. Yeah. You know, like a stylus, and just be done with it. Throw it in your pocket, and just kind of snap away. But I mean, the other one would be like something similar along those lines. Would be um, Olympus. There are Olympus Pen half frame cameras that are specifically like they're not interchangeable lens, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're meant to be zone focused snapshot cameras, and they excel at it. So you basically you set this thing at you know the the middle setting for like the mid range and you just shoot with it and you'll get a ton of pictures and you won't have to focus and it might, that might be even better because then you're, you're even, you have an even faster camera. So -hmm. it's like, you got the benefit of half frame, but it's more like, it's, it's more like a, um, just a a straight up snapshot camera, you know? So I don't know, even just a, a cheap fixed lens, um, Olympus pen, like an EE or something, that might that might work too. Yeah, awesome. I'm gonna have to look into those ones. Thanks for the the advice because yeah, sure. you know, I'm just kind of like I I kind of want to sell that Hassie I think and you know yeah, maybe uh, get into something that I can just grab and go and you know if you, if you sell the Hassie you'll have you'll be able to buy quite a few small cameras with the money you make out of it. Oh, I know. So, I yeah, know. no problem. You can get anything you want. I know, right? <laughs> almost, almost. But, you know, I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tossing around a few ideas. So it, it, it's good to pick other people's brains on it because I don't want to be, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of lusting after cameras that I don't know really anything about, but everybody loves them. I'm like, well, they must be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the biggest trap in photography is that sure. camera, the camera. Li- I mean, that was one of the things about working at central camera. That was interesting. It was like, all right, the whole point is to take a step away from what you like and to listen to what someone wants to do and think about what's going to work best for them. You know what I mean? Right, it's like, right. forget about whatever brand. It doesn't matter. It's it's not for you. It's for the other person. So mm-hmm. that I was always, like, yeah, it was ahead. just always the most interesting part of the job because there there are so many things to choose from, and you you got to narrow it down to what's going to work for you. I've never shot half frame, but like what what's as far as resolution? Like I'm guessing four by six, five by seven is perfectly good uh, on half frame. Uh, uh, it's, it's maybe when you get to a little bit bigger enlargements, you're going to start seeing uh, some of the resolution issues out of a half frame. I guess is that right? Well. I mean, yes and no, because here's the thing, like the, those half frame lenses on the pen system, they're actually higher resolution because they have to, they have to, they have a smaller area of film to record things on. Right. So they're actually extremely high resolution lenses. Okay. So it's sort of like how a four by five lens is actually much lower resolution than mm-hmm. let's say a 35 millimeter lens because you have more film to work with, right? You got more real estate. You don't have to, right. you don't have to, you don't have to push that lens as hard to get detail out of it. It's um, easy to make, it's easy to make something look good on a huge piece of film. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's yeah. harder on a smaller one. So you, <laughs> right. you'd be surprised that you can get away with a lot on um, half frame because here's the thing. If you're going to make a, a, you know, an old, like a print, an eight by 10, let's say you're going to make an eight by 10 print, right? From a 35 millimeter, 24 by 36 frame, you're cutting away 
like 20% almost of that right. image cropping off to make the 8x10. If yep. you make an 8x10 from a half frame, you're cropping nothing. You're not – so it's almost uh, starts – you see what I mean? You, yeah. You're, you're almost starting to equal out the difference in – because the, the format's different. Okay, that makes sense. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, because yeah. eight by ten, if it, that's usually the biggest, like for art shows, that's, that's usually the size I sell. Right, and like it always bums me out on thirty five. Like, how much I have to cut out, like there to make it eight by ten? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Huh. There you go. So it's so it's it's a it's a um, oddly, you know, reverse logic that you're got a smaller piece of film, but no, you're actually for a standard enlargement, you're you're actually not enlarging it as it's not like you're doing it double to get the same print. You know what right, I mean? It's, right. it's the odd thing, but it's it's the way it works. So a half frame is half frame's really neat that way. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, I think this is uh we I think we went long enough. We've taken up your all's time long enough with this. <laughs> so we we did take we did take a week off last week. So hopefully you guys are are also tan rested and ready to listen to this long episode. And uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, but like again. Uh, Huge thanks to Johnny Sisson for joining us tonight, man. Johnny, it's always always fun talking with you, and uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time you're on this. Uh, on this I hope not. I, it's so much fun to do this with you guys, and it's it's great to be back again. Thanks for thanks for thinking I'm interesting enough to have me on again. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot, man, not, yeah, that, that that's that's not even not even consideration, man. Like, yeah, you're uh, you're uh, you know, I feel like uh, I always love. Uh, uh, classic uh lenses podcast because i feel like uh <laughs> i feel like sometimes i, I don't know I, I, maybe i'm just reading into this but i feel like sometimes simon is worried about some things you'll say at sometimes i've always <laughs> oh yeah like, yeah I, I, I that's like yeah, simon might have like a puckered butthole uh, a lot of times during the during the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's fun because you know i can always tell when he's getting uncomfortable <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which means keep going. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, start getting our socials out. And I, I know this this is going to be kind of odd this this time because Johnny, you 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 literally don't ever put out any socials. <laughs> so uh, where, where where can people like? I don't even know what you want to say about your socials at this point because uh, you don't really have any apparently. I, you, yeah, I joke about this on the classic. I mean, I can do the basically what I say on classic lenses podcast is you can. Find me socially distanced on my front porch. Uh, if you want to come by and say hello, I'm always glad to talk to people in person uh, from the from the front steps. Um, or you can follow me on Instagram, and I'll never follow. I'll never actually approve you to follow me. You can do that too. No, like once once a year, I go through now and I approve everybody who wants. No, I'm just trying to be a dick. It's just Instagram turned into like a black hole for me, and and some of their some of what they do. Uh, ethically really bothers me right <laughs> so right. so i've kind of pulled back from that every so do, you, whatever, do, you even, yeah. do you even want to say your instagram account or just they just search you out and see if they it's, can find it yeah. it's just it's just my it's it's sisson photography i mean all my stuff is the same it's just right. sisson photography one word um so yeah they can get in my my queue and someday i'll get a bug up my butt and i'll actually approve all the people that want to follow it not that i'm great and people want to follow me it's just that People hear it word of you know word of mouth. So, right, uh, right. I'm not trying to be a dick. Well, I'm just a dick, but I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just <laughs> I'm not on Instagram that much. That's all. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with, man. Like I, I, I I've taken some breaks off from Instagram in the last couple of months, and uh, I gotta say it's been kind of nice. It's been kind of nice. Yeah, it is. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I've switched over. I, well, not switched over, but I have been exploring on TikTok thanks to my kids. Uh-oh. And it is Uh-oh. hilarious. I have been having so much fun over there. <laughs> don't, don't don't let don't let our president hear about that. I know. I think that's the reason why I did it. I'm such a rule breaker. I'm like, I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> all right well roxana other than tiktok where can people find, find you at well they can now find me on tiktok at roxana log and instagram <laughs> uh, if you're gonna have a tiktok account i, I gosh I, please don't make me join tiktok like i, I don't know like um <laughs> you will laugh your ass off it makes me i love it i'm having so much fun these people are hilarious <laughs> oh now i want to do the tiktok thing great <laughs> well come and join the fun i'm i'm building the film community there i'm actually finding a lot of film people on there it's cool really yeah, wow. there's a oh, lot of people shooting film, and all I do is search the hashtag, and I find like this whole slew of people doing really cool stuff. So awesome. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I hate it. It's another social thing I got to try to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andre, where can people find you, brother? Uh, well, you know, I, I wish I had a better reason than Johnny for being as inactive on social media as I am. <laughs> But uh, people can find me on Instagram at Andre on Film or Andre.Snapshots. Awesome. All right. You can see me on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group. We also have an Instagram account under the account name Negative Positives. If you uh, submit photos on Instagram, think about using the hashtag negative positives and maybe uh, Mr. Bryce Randall, who helps me run that uh, that account, maybe he'll see it and highlight it for all of us to check out. Huge thanks to Bryce for doing the uh, excellent work that he does there because certainly if you know about me on social media, I would be horrible at doing what he does. So <laughs> <laughs> you can also support this program on coffee. It is www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives. Uh, again, uh, huge thanks, Johnny. Thanks for coming on tonight, man. It's been a real blast. Uh, thanks for having me. It's so much fun. All right. Well, I guess this is the time we get to see if Johnny knows the knows the uh, can remember the uh, the, <laughs> the, the final final saying. So, uh, uh, folks, uh, thanks for listening. I will talk to you soon. I stay positive. And go shoot some awesome film. There Close enough. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, we'll see you soon. Gutter Man Cave Production! <laughs> <laughs>